What is up, fanboys and fangirls? What the hell am I saying that for? <laughs> well, look at that. It's a live stream. <laughs> what is up, wrestling fans? Wow. Fanboys and fangirls. I literally started off with fanboys and fangirls. Ah, okay. Well, we're live. You can't, uh, you can't edit that. So what's up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another live edition of the Smart Cat Moment Smack Talk podcast. It's the quarter four mailbag where we can answer questions about Fanboys Anonymous content, I guess. I don't know. Um, we are just going to do our usual stuff here. The mailbag is kind of free-flowing, and we have no set time when we're going to end this. We were planning on starting it 12 minutes ago, but YouTube changed some of the live chat stuff. We ended up going live a little bit earlier for no reason. Uh, you know, things uh, things are weird. It's definitely weird if we started off the way that we started off. I'm your host as always, Tony Mango. Joining me as always, you guys should know them by now, but in case you don't, there's Robert D. Felice. Yeah, Tony is just projecting what he wants into the universe. <laughs> so, uh, hello, I am Robert D. Felice. How are you guys uh, doing? And uh, there's Callum Wiggins. What's up, wrestling fans? Welcome to the latest edition of the Paul <laughs> Heyman Smackdown podcast. Uh, <laughs> Oh, we're not well, doing that either. Sorry. Either way, I'm always here, so it <laughs> works for me. Welcome to the All Talk Show. Uh, we are going to do another uh, so series we're, we're of. We're breaking down the debate, right? Where this is what this is. This it, it's going to be. It's actually going to be another episode of the Silent Hour Show. Oh. Really going to tease him like that. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have some, I, unlike you, I have some respect for the people that are listening to this. <laughs> uh, I have respect. I, I respect them enough that I, I tease because I love. That's what I say all the time. <laughs> That's right. So we've got, uh, I mean, we have this all set up kind of weird, so I'm sure people aren't funneling in all that much, especially on like three o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. People got work and everything. But I think we got a couple people maybe tuning in. If you do, uh, tune in live and say hi. Uh I'm going to type in the chat. Hey there, everyone. Just to make sure that that's working okay. I'm pretty sure that is, right? Why not? Yeah. Um, so, mailbag. Uh, mailbag's usually just us kind of shooting the shit, figuring some stuff out, talking about some stuff. Nothing really, like, dead set that we need to talk about, and we don't even need to talk about wrestling stuff. It could just be whatever. So if you're in the live chat, or if you get a chance to tweet at something or, you know, you get a part of any of that kind of stuff, then, um, you know, send in some kind of questions. It could be something completely unrelated to wrestling or it could be a wrestling related thing. It could just kind of be, Hey, you know, what are you up to today? Or, well, there's a whole variety of different things that you can take part in. So, um, I guess while we're getting started here and I'm trying to get my, uh, my post up on the website, uh, we can just sort of, um, Start off with something as simple as that. Like, uh, what are you guys up to today? Anything special going on? Uh, it's Wednesday. I'm working. And you guys know the gist of what I do on Wednesdays. So I'll toss this one over to Callum. Who has it like? It's pretty good at the moment. Uh, I've just downloaded FIFA, the new FIFA game. Oh, so that's yeah. going to be occupying my uh, attention for, I assume, a couple of months before I get bored of it and move on. But... Uh, yeah, this first um, FIFA game that I've actually bought for about three years. 
because I just avoided it for ages because it never changed. But after three years, it doesn't matter that it hasn't changed because you haven't played it for three years. So that's like <laughs> that's the way that I work around it. So is that pretty much the same as the other types of ones, like the, the Madden games and all that, where it's literally the same game, except they just update the roster of the people? Yeah, pretty much. That's like uh, That's been the case for probably about 10 years at this point on the FIFA side of things. They sometimes add new game modes, sometimes... Sometimes players' ratings go up and down. That's about it, really. Everything else is either good or it's bad, and it never changes. Hmm. So, like, the only FIFA game I've ever played is 98. And wow. th- that's a great game. It's, it, changed, it changed a bit since then. I mean, I'd hope so. I, I had hope in the last 20 years it's changed. But I I always hear good things about FIFA. It just... It's, it's one of those games that you go back. It's not one of those games that you're like going to sit down, devote hours and hours each day to, or anything like that, or like like big arcing story games and stuff like that. But it's like the game that you go to when you just have a bit of free time and you've got like half an hour, so you'll play a couple of games, move on, that sort of thing. I think it's always uh, important to have like a game or two that's like that in your arsenal. Any um, anything good like a team manager mode? I don't know what they do. They have a the they have a they have a career mode and stuff like that, it's, but it's not uh it's not as in depth as the actual like football manager style games that you can get out there. It's not as in depth as um when I whenever I do event do like venture into Madden every now and again. It's not it's not as in depth as their roster modes and stuff like that. Right. On. Never been a fan of uh, a lot of those games. I did like NFL Blitz back in the day. I love oh. Blitz. That was a bit like more of like a um a fun arcade one, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I mean, you could have like, uh, like the focus I focused more on was just like tackling people in the snow <laughs> and like sliding around. No, I, but, uh, uh, we had a um, football game that was similar to that when I was uh, growing up called a red card, hmm. and essentially it was the same as well. It was essentially just a, a traditional so- soccer style game, but you could just have the most dangerous, <laughs> reckless tackles as possible and then get sent off for them. So you could like just you high try to get the red card. No, no, it was just the idea, like, you'd have to do something, you'd have to pretty much murder someone to get a red card, because <laughs> you could do, like, jumping karate kicks to the face and stuff like that, nice. and that was totally legal and things like that, so that was a lot of fun. And then you played games against dolphins, it was amazing. Grimshot mentioning uh, NBA Jam, I got my fiancé in the chat, saying yay, so cute. Uh, NBA Jam is fantastic, and we need more like it. They did NBA 2K Playgrounds, but much like WWE 2K Battlegrounds, it's it's all fluff and no soul. I want the soul. It's not, um, it's not the same as uh, WWE All-Stars then? No, it's not. It's, listen, it's fine. I actually think it's better suited towards casual fans who know nothing about wrestling or maybe even nothing about video games and how broken they can be. But it's a broken game, again. Damn it, 2K! I just want to have a good time. I remember the uh, the hockey game I used to play a lot. The like variation of NFL Blitz was NHL Hits, and that one had a uh, kind of a focus on like fighting people a little bit. Not not quite like the ability to drop kick everybody and everything, but it was a fun game. Those are like that. I've never once played Madden. Actually, no, I I played Madden once at a friend's house and I was just like, you know what? I don't really care. This isn't really fun. <laughs> and you know, I've never been a football guy or any of the like real sports, but I've never even liked the WWE games. The only ones that I liked were the ones that were more arcade style. And even then I wasn't the biggest fan of them, but they, the 
they don't feel right. Like the controls are weird. I never liked the idea of when you go to pin something, it's like, okay, let me let me make sure that I hit like, you know, B and left to do the pin, and then you have to wait for them to like slowly lay down on top of the other one, and then the referee walks over and one, two, uh, to kick out. Like something's off about wrestling games, and I never feel right when I'm playing them. I always feel like I'm in like an else worlds type of thing. Huh. I think more recently the games have taken a turn because they're trying to be more simulation-based and serious, but I definitely had many good wrestling games over the years. I mean, there's there's plenty of good ones. I mean, uh, Shut Your Mouth and Here Comes the Pain immediately spring to mind as like the two optimal games that I played in, in that regard. And obviously you have from, I think it was from 2006, 2008, you had GM mode, which was a lot of fun as well. And they, I don't know why they don't bring this stuff back. They, they should replace universe mode with it because universe mode has been just a nothing for so long. For 10 years. Universe mode has existed for 10 years. But just to go back to Tony real quick, I think his problem is when he was probably at the prime age for this, the main games were like raw on the super nintendo and maybe warzone yeah warzone for uh n64 was one of the uh the main ones that i had played back in the day but i had like the wrestlemania arcade game uh i mean i remember playing that the really really old nes i think it was game with uh hulk hogan as like uh the cover i remember playing that over a friend's house and being of course like oh my god it's hulk hogan in a video game you know that kind of thing yeah, I've never been like crazy fond of the Nintendo titles. I I do enjoy Super Nintendo and Upward, but the NES stuff never clicked with me. That's not good. It's you know. not. <laughs> so, yeah. Back in the day, it was like you know, oh wow, this is amazing, Space Invaders. It almost looks like it's a uh, an alien spaceship. It's just a couple oh. of dots. Caroline's in the chat asking if we play a VR wrestling game. I feel like that would be so overly complicated that it just wouldn't even be remotely fun. I would try, I, but I got a feeling I'd get a headache. I would love if you were to just have the wrestling VR game and you're playing with someone else and you're calling spots to each other while you're while you're working. <laughs> that'd be that'd be pretty hilarious. Just like what headlock, if, uh... headlock drop down. And like, uh, you end up getting the character that you didn't want, and it's one of the people from the catering crew. So your uh, <laughs> your level is to sit back and be told that creative has nothing for you. <laughs> you just it's a just very v- re- oh, very realistic you. experience, right? You just put the VR headset on, and you're the referee all of a sudden, or you're just like you're Paul Heyman on the outside, and you just don't have any real influence into the entire thing. Well, you're just right. referee, just about you're just about to get bumped by Big Show or something. <laughs> you uh, you put it in there. You lock in your character. You're like, oh, I'm gonna play as like Mojo Raleigh or something. And then they're like, congratulations, you're in uh, Retribution. Never mind. Uh, creatives changed their mind, so you can sit back and we'll figure something out for you. And you just like you look around left and right, and it's the backstage area. So you're around all like the production truck equipment. And you hear wrestling stuff happening in the background. Like you hear the bell go off and you hear like the mat get smacked down when somebody's doing some kind of like body slams and whatever. And you're just sitting there kind of like twiddling your thumbs, your feet dangling off the edge of one of these things. And you see a couple of people go by. It's like, oh, it's Kevin Owens. What's up, Kev? And he's like, hey. 
<laughs> they just do that for like a whole level and it's like congratulations you got your paycheck for today come back again next week god i really hope this isn't what aew is planning for their video <laughs> it might be i don't know but then again that would just be aew dark and you just give me the jobber <laughs> that gets his ass whooped every single week you can play as captain sean d <laughs> <laughs> yeah. getting thrown around by big will hobbs every single week yeah uh she brings up the idea that you have to go through the stink face Oof. Uh, i don't think i'd like that i i grew up in the age where we were younger so all of my cousins were always trying to do that <laughs> just put their bare ass in your face it's it's all wrong I got just out of watching wrestling with my friends when that was like becoming a thing. So instead, we just did the whole, let me put the sharpshooter on you. <laughs> let me put you in the figure four. Ow, fuck, that hurt. Yeah, the sharpshooter was my go-to on my brother and stuff like that. That and the yep. ones at Jericho. Because they just look like they're painful. I also just uh, laughed out at uh, Grimshot in the chat saying that you should be a cameraman in the game and you just get a call from Kevin Dunn just to shake your controller as fast as you possibly can <laughs> in all different directions. <laughs> Or maybe you get like a, a special unlocked achievement thing where it's like, all right, everybody, all right, remember number three is AJ Styles. Get ready, get ready, cut the Roman. <laughs> or, or, or it's just a case of like you get to be a commentator instead, and it's just Vincent Man screaming into your headset constantly for all the likes <laughs> for now. God, God damn, damn it. it! Plug this, plug that. Tell that story. Don't use that word. God Some damn it! Like fucking doll. Oh my god, oh, what a world. No, 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 I wasn't believable at all. What the, what the fuck is that? <laughs> oh, Caroline asks if your uh, friends were doing the stink face to you, bare ass. Uh, uh, the family? Yeah, because of course, because we're kids and we think that that's funny. <laughs> well, like uh, anybody in this live chat, anybody who is not in the live chat, drop your comments below. Tell us your thoughts on things. If you weren't able to send in some questions ahead of time or take advantage of the live chat, then, you know, send some things afterward or, you know, just remember uh, that there's another mailbag coming up in another couple of months or so at the quarter one mailbag, whenever we do that in January. There's also the mailbag priority tier. If you are upset that you couldn't take advantage of this and November and December goes by and you're like, oh, man, I really wish that that would have been the case. Then if you go to patreon.com slash moment. There are plenty of different tiers. $1 and up is something that's awesome, but $10 gives you access to the dark casts. Those are Patreon exclusives. And then the next tier after that is mailbag priority. And what that means is if you send in those questions ahead of time, all those questions are answered on the one that we do. And if it's on a month where we don't have the quarterly mailbag, then we'll do a special mailbag. That'll be just your questions. So take advantage of that as you can. And do the pick your poison tier too, if maybe you're just like, Pick your poison. I really got, want you guys to do another live thing. It doesn't have to be a mailbag, but do another live thing. Then, you know, we'll keep that in mind. But like with anything else, drop your comments below. You should be on YouTube, at least for this. Uh, that's the whole live stream is happening there. If you're there, hit the subscribe button. If you haven't done that, hit the like button as well. Hit the applause button if you feel so inclined to do that. Hit the join button if you want to be part of the membership side of things. And, you know, keep that all going. There's a bunch of plugs out of the way. And since I already mentioned Fanboys Anonymous earlier, I don't really need to mention that because I started off the show talking about Fanboys. So, yeah, fanboysanonymous.com. Go there and let us do a live thing there. That'd be kind of fun to talk about some other stuff. But we can talk about stuff like that here, too. So maybe if you're like, let's talk about movies. Why not? I watched Harley Quinn yesterday. <laughs> yeah, you tried to watch, uh, well, you successfully watched no, Birds I of Prey. I got through the movie this time. I did it. Yeah. It ended. Mm -hmm. I gave it two stars. It was, 
I let go of a lot of the anger that I was feeling at the beginning of the film and just decided to watch along, kind of like I do with wrestling every Monday and Friday night. And look at that. Uh, one Birds of Prey was happening in the movie, so I was like, oh man, I want this to be over with. Kind of like I am with <laughs> the wrestling thing. Every, so it works. You know. <clears throat> Let's go to a question that was sent in ahead of time. How do you think we will be a year from now in terms of having fans in arenas and stadiums going back to normal? How will AEW and WWE be? Essentially, when do you see WWE traveling to different cities like they were before? Actually, today, mm-hmm. more news came out about that where Florida is like, hey, you know how we're doing a piss-poor job at this? Let's make it even worse. They're going to have full attendance pretty soon. Specifically, uh, Miami Dolphins got the go-ahead for 65,000 fans. 65,000 people are going to pack into the thing. Come on. Yeah, but here's the thing, folks. That means WrestleMania is definitely happening at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. That yeah. is what that means. Unless this fails absolutely catastrophically. You're very, you're very right. Unless everybody gets sick out the gate. I mean, then... if, if, yeah, if, if this does carry on for long enough, they might not be a Florida to host WrestleMania at this well, point. So. No, Callum's got a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you said if this fails catastrophically. When oh, this fails yeah, catastrophically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was be- I was being a little bit too optimistic there. It's just like the actual question in terms of like, when do you think we'll be a year from now? Well, it's like asking us, well, what's the weather going to be like on April 21st, 2022 or something like that? It's like, I can take a stab at it. And if I get it right, I seem like a genius, but it's not really going to, we don't know what the state of the world is going to be like at that point in time. The world might be dead by that point in time for all we know at this, at this right. You know, it's kind of funny. But we may be heading to your neck of the woods, Callum, after this election. (laughs) (laughs) A friend of mine, uh, two years ago or something, he and I were just chatting one day. We were at Daisy's, and I said something along the lines of, uh, well, you know, I mean, on March 8th, it, it could snow. And he literally was like, I'm going to write that down and see what happens. And on March 8th, it ended up uh, snowing. And he was like, dude, you got it right. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was just kind of like, what happened? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, remember when you said that this? I'm like, no. And oh, he's- boy. <laughs> He's like, anytime somebody says something like that, I always write it down. And he's like, holy crap, like you actually got it right. It's snowed today. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, do I do I win something? Like, do I get some kind of prize money or whatever? Still waiting on that, Brett. <laughs> so. But it is, it is people. I mean, um, DJ in the chat has makes a good point about the fact that he'd fear going to a WrestleMania with that many people next year. I don't know oh, what yeah. he's saying he's fear going to. It's the idea of just because WrestleMania can have that capacity in Florida now doesn't necessarily mean they will have that capacity. But I imagine there there are at least sixty to eighty thousand idiots living in the state of Florida or in and around it that would go to that sort of thing. Well you know what? Like WrestleMania every year we get people that travel all over the place to go there. We're gonna get people that aren't from Florida going there, then they're gonna take things back to whatever states that they're a part of too. So it's gonna be a mess. I mean you gotta just hope that for some I don't know if you want to call it a miracle, if you want to call it a conspiracy theory or whatever like that, but I all right, I don't know if I should go down the full conspiracy theory uh, well here, but I think Bush it's a little too... Right uh, who did? Bush did 9-11 right time. Well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> there is a record of conspiracy theory. I will win every single direction. But there, uh, there is footage of him saying only a wartime president gets remembered. Before uh, that, yeah. Know. But I think it's a little weird that we've got a census thing going on, and we've got an election, and there happens to be a bad economy, and we end up having a pandemic that gets worse and it seems like people are purposely kind of like dragging it out and whatever it wouldn't shock me if come november after the election it ends up being like look at this we've got a miracle cure and now it's whatever if the quote-unquote right people who end up having control out of all that kind of stuff which they all do because they're all just crooks uh if they end up like, you know, kind of pulling something out like that, it's like, look at that. It was all like a storyline essentially for the um, for the election. Well, diving down a bit more down a conspiracy theory rabbit hole. How much of how much do you reckon of WWE's uh, major profits from the past quarter went into fueling this decision for Florida to <laughs> allow stadiums to have this many uh, people in? Uh, well, like a couple people that got released. Yeah, I would assume. Up, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, so uh, you know, there goes Curtis Axel's. Uh, yeah, thing Kurt or Hawkins' something. former wages went into the um, the commissioner of Florida's uh, back pocket there. Right. It, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was the case. I mean, that's not even a conspiracy at this point. That's just like fact. Oh, yeah, we it's, it's way too like. I mean, you know that Linda McMahon like paid. Florida, like the day before right. they were like, yeah, we're going to let WWE continue doing their thing. They're essential. Yeah, it's just a fact. So I'm <laughs> sure that that's, that's come out with the way that that is. And that's not good. But then again, anybody surprised? No. Hey, Me- Callum, real, real question. And I don't know how far down this rabbit hole we want to get, but your prime minister got COVID, right? Yep. Was he out of the hospital in three days? No. <laughs> did he did he take it remotely seriously after uh, I mean there was a uh I mean it's hard to say whether he was taking it seriously or not or anything like that. Uh he seemed to care about it while he had it, at the very least. Oh so you're still doing better than us. <laughs> uh I, I mean it's all it's all relative, I guess. Did there wow. happen to be any kind of a debate that he would have uh, avoided by getting COVID? <laughs> no, unfortunately, by that point, he'd already been firmly elected as the uh, prime minister for the next five fucking years. So, yeah. so there's no reason to to not do anything but sit back and relax. And no, well, the only hope is the fact that he's um he's he's having an affair with uh from his uh soon to be wife. So, yeah. which is which is not being recorded just because he's got an injunction on it. But everyone knows that's the case anyway. But it's just like it's one of those things that you that you're not officially allowed to say in like the tabloid <laughs> newspapers stuff like that. But everyone knows this, so we just go on about it anyway. So, so yeah, but maybe that will bring him down. But to be fair, he survived. He he's like um, it's again, it's like cockroaches, impact wrestling. Like Boris Johnson's one of the few people <laughs> that survived a nuclear winter. Ah, <laughs> oh, God. Politics are amazing. Uh, the world's amazing. Who knew that uh, 2020 vision wasn't supposed to be clarity, that it was supposed to be look out for 2020? <laughs> Frankie uh, is in the chat now. He says, have you been watching Big Brother All-Stars? I have. I've missed a couple episodes, but um, I've been you know, following through with it because it's actually a cast of some people that I like, like Enzo and Cody and whatnot. Uh, triple yeah, eviction. Yeah, I stopped after Caser got eliminated. <clears throat> 
Really? You were like hardcore onto the Kesar? It, it, it was uh, Janelle and Kesar. So once they were done, I was done. Nah, but see, I, this, I didn't really care. I, I wanted them out. This is an awful season, though. Like this, this has been like a season that really shows the difference between mindset of maybe somebody Tony's age versus the mindset of a generation below even us, Callum. So it's like straight up, you know, early millennials versus like now and Gen Z and the mentalities are so different and it's insane. See, I like part of the season because I don't have to deal with some of the stuff that happens on every other season, but then some of the things I don't like about the season are the same stuff. I've, I mean, the show has been pretty awful for like 10 years and, uh, that's just the producers and everybody that's like, how many costumes can we throw somebody into? That'd be fun, wouldn't it be? And this challenge is going to be, you know, the the tilt the world, whatever. And you're all going to dress up as teacups. And you're it's like that nonsense I can't stand. But I like when there's things like um, this triple eviction week that just they just did. I think that was the first triple eviction week that they had ever done. And you've got people throwing other people's names under the bus and they're just mid-show going with, um, I'm going to vote out Nicole. And then Nicole stays, and they're like, Nicole, I didn't, I didn't mean to vote you out. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I love when that kind of shit happens. So, you know, if if we get Enzo and Cody in the final two, for instance, then I'm all for it. Uh, not a big fan of uh, Memphis this season. I liked him a lot his last time. I don't really like him this time. A lot, of, a lot of people are hating this season. I don't hate it as much. But then again, it all depends on the cast and everything, too. So if the next season we get the typical, here's the the angry black woman stereotype, and here's the, the sassy gay guy stereotype, and then here's the dumb jock from the South, white guy, southerner type of stereotype, and here's the... They hit the same beats every time, and that gets boring. I'd rather see, like... You know, here's like the super intelligent 18 year old and here's the uh, an, an old woman instead of an old man. It's usually an old man. I don't remember if they ever had like an older woman on the show, for instance. Judge it up a little bit. Why not? Uh, his, my sister was a wreck when Janelle went home. Yeah, Janelle's super popular, but I had I seen her on like three. We don't have those reactions because like that. Like, some people treat this like it's their fucking lives. And the, for us, it's just, oh, we'll maybe put this on, and then we turn it off, and uh, our anger for that is reserved for, like, wrestling, you know? Well, I've been watching it since the first season. I only missed yeah. one, no, three seasons. I missed the uh, the sixth, and I missed, uh, that was the first one with um, Kaser. And I missed what the celebrity one because I didn't like any of the celebrities. They weren't celebrities. It was like, you know, this person was on an episode of uh, Real Housewives of uh, whatever type of thing. And I'm like, I don't know that person. I know Caroline would. But <laughs> like uh, that kind of stuff, like I don't get into that. And then there was another season, just a random one. That, oh, that was the, the one that everything was on, like the, the paywall. I didn't watch that one because I wasn't going to pay for it. A lot of that's still the case. Like a lot of the feeds and stuff yeah. are all on CBS All Access, <laughs> and it's ridiculous. That would be the season that you would watch, sweetie. <laughs> you would watch because that's the one she likes the uh, the UK one that had uh, Tiffany Pollard on it. Never seen a full season of the UK side of things. Huh. You're not missing anything. Yeah, 
Are you a reality show guy, Callum? I can't imagine so, but you know. No. Um, you never uh, know. I, I do. I'm, I guess you class like um, Hell's Kitchen as a reality. Yeah, that's a reality, a reality show. show. Yeah, that, yeah, I used to binge that quite a lot. But to be fair, it's got Gordon Ramsay in it, and that kind of like holds it. If you've got kind of a figurehead that you're just kind of uh, just intrigued by, then it, it, you can carry it the whole way through, essentially. The, I think the that they might up. they might technically classify that as a reality competition show. It might be a distinction. Well, they like might do that now. What, what more like, like a um uh like American Idol or something like that? Right. Yeah, because it is people competing and trying to win prizes and stuff instead of something like the Kardashians, where it's just them trying to compete about who's a terrible person or whatever they mm. do on that show. I don't know. I don't watch that garbage. But <laughs> Let's go to another question here. Uh, send in ahead of time. Which run of Bobby Lashley's did you like better in WWE? The first one from 05 to 07 and the second one 2018 to present. So I think had it stopped after the Leo rush stuff, I would have said 05 to 07. But right now yeah. he is on a fucking roll. So I might have to say this run, if only because of the stuff with the Hurt Business. Yeah, the Hurt Business has salvaged this run for me because I think the lows of this most recent run have been worse than the lows of the previous one. Like the Bobby sisters, the uh, touching Ugh. his ass every time that he's with Leo Rush and stuff like that, just bending over and feeling up his own ass for some reason, and the Lana stuff, obviously. But then the Hurt Business comes along and he feels completely renewed. I think the idea with the other first part is the only thing that that's not really of note in his first run is that match with Margaret at WrestleMania. Everything else surrounding that is just big man, no personality, but look at the big man, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, nobody's going to be like, you know, what's the defining moment of your career and be like, well, I lost the ECW championship. <laughs> I lost the I lost the ECW championship to my employer. Right. It's he more also, important that uh, Vince shaved his head that he won the ECW title. He also, you know, was the hand-picked choice of the president. Yeah, I don't know if that's something that he's going to be as proud of these days. He was up until uh, he stopped talking about that recently. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> it's got one in the chat. Grim says, uh, are you guys doing a draft predictions video? If not, what would you be your top two picks to go from Raw and SmackDown and vice versa? Who do you think is going to be called up to NXT? I figured we would uh, incorporate that into this a little bit because we are going to get some of the draft on Friday and then the rest of it on uh, the Monday Night Raw following that. And I don't know if they're going to do the same thing that they did last time where they did like supplemental picks on Saturday, Sunday, whatever that they was. Because we always probably working, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, how many times have we been like, hey, there, sh there shouldn't be anything happening today because it's a pay-per-view and we have all the matches scheduled. Oh, look at that. The bump decided that they're going to add this match. And oh, look at that. They decided on Twitter that they were going to say to go to Instagram to find out about how they posted a new Facebook Live thing. But like, you know, they kind of do that garbage. So I'm sure we'll get like, I'll be checking a whole bunch of stuff. You'll be checking a whole bunch of stuff. And we're going to be like, did you see that the one thing on the WWE on Fox Twitter account confirmed this one trade and whatever? And yeah, they'll make it a... Like, an, Bianca Belair back to NXT. When you find that out on six fifty six p.m. on a Saturday, like yeah, and and what? Where did you find it out on? Oh, on WWE now Ahura, <laughs> whatever <laughs> you know. <laughs> they do that kind of stuff. But trade wise, I mean, let's just kind of spit out some ideas here. You guys think uh, the Garganos are going up? I want to say no because they don't want to leave NXT. 
but there's also nothing for them to do. So they should, but I'm going to say no, because that's what my brand says. I, I don't want them to go up just because Rob, the devil, you know, the devil, you don't know. Or actually it's the devil, you know, as well. I mean, the devil, you know, that can just like squash you into absolute oblivion because even though they've got really nothing for them in NXT, eventually they will have something to do in NXT, whereas I think they get caught with the main roster. Maybe Johnny gets a cursory two-month run with the United States title like Ricochet did, loses it, and then just becomes, well, Ricochet. I was actually thinking Ricochet would be a good pick to go back to NXT. Like Now, just, just now things are all over the place because... We've been seeing some people moving around before the draft, which is really strange. Like, I mean, they moved Mandy and Dana and Ember Moon and Tony Storm and a couple other people I'm blanking on, too. But uh, Braun Strowman is like, he, he's a part of Raw, but he's not a part of Raw. He will be officially on Raw after either Friday or Monday. Well, I think uh, so. I mean, one of the obvious ones is Kevin Owens is going to SmackDown. I think yeah. so, too. Yeah. Uh, I want them to balance out everything and that's like the the priority is i want them to actually sit down i don't know that this is hard but for 20 minutes they sit down <laughs> and they just have go to smartoutmoment.com wwe i've got the list of the roster people you don't have to even check wikipedia just go there and have like the raw side on an excel spreadsheet and the SmackDown side and the NXT side and all the, you know, Performance Center and all that. And just go, who do we have plans for? Who do we want to feud? Let's try to balance this out. It really doesn't take more than 20-something minutes to do. And you can figure out literally every feud that everybody could pot uh, potentially have over the course from now until WrestleMania. I've done it. We did a mock draft before. That didn't take forever. And we even tried to drag that out more because we were, like, you know, trying to make it like a fun show instead of just getting like getting down to brass tacks but i want them to do that and then whatever happens where all the chips fall that is where everything uh is where i want them to go but i have some ideas i think that seamus aj styles and king corbin need to go to raw i agree with corbin corbin needs to go to raw drop the crown and just beat people up in raw underground i've been saying this since raw underground started this would be the perfect way to like shed the crap on Corbin and just let's start over, get him going to being a badass again. Well, Raw Underground could be good for him. Raw Underground could be good for Sheamus. All three of them could have feuds with Drew McIntyre. Especially Sheamus would be interesting. AJ Styles could be a, a WrestleMania main event for him. And Queen Corbin, I mean, what's wrong with Corbin against Drew McIntyre for like TLC? Or something. No, no, that's not what I said, Tony. I said we just redo Corbin. No more Corbin as we know him. We put him in Raw Underground and just redo him completely, and then maybe we can talk about him facing oh, Drew McIntyre. Even that, I mean, Baron Corbin without the King gimmick, or you know, whatever it is. Like, I think that you need to give Corbin some kind of difference. You need to give Styles somewhere where he can go somewhere and do something because he's either he turns babyface to fight Roman or he goes to Raw. Is there's no upward momentum on the heel side on SmackDown. Roman is firmly the guy that's going to be there. So he needs baby faces. So you need a Kevin Owens or some other people to go over there. 
I mean, let's let's talk about like the big issue. Well, one of the big issues. SmackDown needs at least two or three women from either Raw or NXT mm. because their roster is absolutely threadbare. It's dreadful. And I know they need uh, Rhea Ripley. I think. Well, they they need Rhea Ripley. They need maybe, maybe Bianca. Yeah, maybe Charlotte. Maybe Bianca Belair. Maybe uh, Mickey James. There's a lot of options that could add some experience and depth to that roster to actually get some interesting feuds. I know, obviously, the big feud for the next couple of months, at the very least, is going to be Banks versus Bailey, and so that will dominate for I assume probably until maybe even Royal Rumble time. Ugh. But after that point, you need to <laughs> you need to pivot to some other people. It can't just be Sasha Banks, who's newly crowned champion, against Nikki Cross. Or Alexa, well, maybe Alexa Bliss is just completely now transformed into this essentially female fiend. Then maybe that could be interesting. But so, do you think? I think Owens to SmackDown makes more sense. But do you think that they put Wyatt and Bliss on Raw instead? They can't because... move more women to the Raw side of things. It's got too many as it is. Well, and then you... they'd have to they'd have to balance it out by moving Liv Morgan and. Uh... Ruby Riot and maybe Bianca, like they'd have to do some stuff like that. I mean, like Vega can go to SmackDown because they seem completely okay with the idea of separating her. Well, if, if they separated the if they separated the iconics, one of them should go to SmackDown and one of them should be on yeah. Raw. I agree with that. And I don't know which one's which, and they're not going to get progressed anyway because neither of them are particularly good. So it's not really going to be too much of an issue anyway. If they split up the iconics. They're going to do nothing, and then in a couple months, they're going to suddenly have... Look at this trade pick that was made in preparation of other trades or in consideration of whatever, or retaliation of whatever the hell they had phrased it before, where they were like, we couldn't figure out anything, so look at that, they're now on this roster. They'll do that, and then they'll reteam again. I would assume that Baszler and Jax and Asuka and some of the different people that seem pretty set where they are probably going to stay where they are but like there's nothing saying that Zelina Vega doesn't go to Smackdown or that it'd be weird if like for instance if Bianca went to Smackdown and the Street Profits stayed on Raw they're the Raw Tag Team Champions but maybe they book a match on Monday where they lose the tag titles well but hear me out is that as much of an issue anymore yes they're a married couple but it's not like I'm on Raw, you're on SmackDown. We have totally separate touring dates. That's you true. You do your show, you go home, and you're home. You're home most of the week now. So does it matter? I guess that's that depends on what WWE's plan is for how they're going to record shows going forward. They're not. I mean, like, well, they're not going to do house shows anymore. No, yeah, but I mean, solid. if they, like, they're not going to have the Thunderdome. So Thunderdome in no. another residency. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if it's the case that the only really Florida is opening up, we know where they're going to be anyway, so it's not they can go super sure. far away. Yeah, instead of being at Amway, they'll be at uh, the college in Tampa or something. I don't know. If they stay just in Florida, then yeah, they can move anybody around. You could have Andrade on the separate thing from Charlotte. You could have, uh, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And then it won't matter as much. And maybe that's something that we really need to take into account as being like, well, normally we would say Naomi is going to be on the same roster as the Usos, and then maybe they go, you know what, Naomi's on Raw now, and Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso are staying. Speaking of Usos, 
I think that one of the blockbuster moves here is Randy goes to SmackDown, brings the WWE title, and Roman goes to Raw because they can't fucking help themselves. When something gets as massively over as Roman is on SmackDown, it has to be the Raw angle. Hmm. It's a possibility. I, I don't think... Um, and, and I don't know. It's, it's a... They, they've done it before with the, the Brock Lesnar things and stuff like that and Becky moving from SmackDown to Raw when they're the most over. So there is precedence for this. I just don't think... I feel like that's one of the ones where Fox will just go, what the fuck are you doing? That's <laughs> that sort of move. Like that's that's the thing that could... I don't say sever their relationship because obviously it wouldn't, but it's just a case of... That's something that could really raise serious questions about, okay, maybe we don't want to sign WWE up once these contracts are up. You're going to get rid of Roman from our side of things and put it on your quote-unquote A show, then maybe we don't want SmackDown anymore. Maybe SmackDown should be on a smaller platform than Fox's. We do know that Fox wants Roman. They've said that before. I mean, look at the intro. It's always had Roman. So if they lose Roman, they might be pissed about that, even if WWE's like, but you're getting Randy. How great's been Randy? You know, like that kind of thing. I'd rather Drew McIntyre keep the title and Randy Orton not win it, because really, once Randy Orton wins it, everybody knows what's happening. He's going to just beat whoever until Edge comes back and then fight Edge at WrestleMania. But that's okay. He can do that without the title, though. No, you know, no, they've done it without the title enough times to know that you need something else. And I think do you, you think that WWE sense. operates under the idea of we've done this enough times, we need to do something else? How many times have we had the exact same matches without even getting like a two out of three falls or a street well, fight or something? Yeah. Also, really going back to the situation where we're going to be putting the title on a part-timer whose prime was about a decade or so ago. Uh, the only exception I'll say here is that Edge, his mentality towards wrestling is different than Lesnar's. His mentality towards wrestling is different than The Rock. Edge wants to do wrestling first and foremost, so I think it'll be a different part-time run than that of the ones we've seen before. Who would it Randy Orton even feud with, though? Otis. You could actually, that could be one of the things where he does try and cash in. Like you can, Because we've always said you can't see him cashing in on Roman. But He's Randy not cashing in on Roman. Randy is someone he could cash in on. So you got Otis, you got Kevin uh, Owens. Biggie. It's probably a big Biggie. Big. Jeff Hardy. Yeah. Yeah, that could be a thing. Go back to the Randy Orton Jeff Hardy feud of 2008. Like, it's just like. I just don't like, reruns. Yeah. It's just like, why don't we just show videos of 2008 WWE and stuff like that? Because that's all that seems to be going on at this point. It's only the, well, it's the same people being pushed over and over again from that day. Well, I just got you to WrestleMania, and hey, if you want to, you can run back Jeff Hardy and Edge, and we can go like 20 years. Let's just do it. <laughs> just just, just do it. You know, nobody's watching wrestling for the modern stars. We know where the money is. Just run back the hits. Well, I mean, if we get, for instance, Roman goes over to Raw, we know what's happening at Hell in a Cell. Right. That's then the it's just, thing. okay, Randy Orton beats Drew McIntyre, then, you know. That didn't stop them last year when they had uh, The Fiend went over to SmackDown and Brock went over to Raw and it was just like, what are you doing? You're telegraphing the results of 
Super Showdown or a Crown Jewel or whatever it was. Hmm. Uh, let's kind of put a pin in that a little bit, though, because we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, of course, we're going to do our first impressions on the hot tags after SmackDown. And then after all the whole draft stuff is, stuff is uh, sorted out, then we're going to do another thing where we're going to actually review the whole draft as our uh, our main event for next week. Let's go to another question here. Do you think that people like Marcus Corkvon, Elijah Burke, Chris Masters, and Mr. Kennedy could have been bigger stars in WWE? Who did this question? This is Brendan. All right, Brendan. So, um... Yes, 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 and yes. But I think that they all reached kind of the peak of where they were going to go, except for Marcus Corvon. Yeah, I always thought he could be a big deal because I watched him in TNA. Uh, Masters was one of those guys who, when he first came in and was on all the stuff and looked insane, I thought he was going to be an immediate main eventer. But when he came back and was completely slimmed yeah. down, it just did felt weird. And they gave him um, generic music, and he was a baby face for some reason. And Right. But uh, Elijah Burke, I think I've seen enough of Elijah Burke to say he reached the appropriate ceiling. And I think he could have been a mid-card champ. Maybe. But I think it worked out the way it was supposed to. And I forget the fourth name. Kennedy. Oh, Jesus. So maybe Callum is like me. In that we were like brainwashed into legitimately thinking Kennedy was a great wrestler and a huge <laughs> star on the rise because I thought he was going to be the biggest thing ever. Yeah, so, so in terms of all these ones, Marcus Corvon, I think by the time that he joined WWE, I think he was about, he was in his late 30s by that point, I think, maybe even early 40s. So he'd kind of, I mean, obviously nowadays that's like prime age to be a WWE wrestler, but. At that point, maybe that was just a bit too old for him to really start and get going. And like by the time he'd left, WWE was out of wrestling for good anyway. So maybe it was just for the best that he didn't really kick on and develop that much. Elijah Burke in TNA showed a lot more character and personality than he did in WWE. So I think he, out of the four of them, he's the one I think is the biggest missed opportunity they had because he had a lot of charisma that they didn't tap into. Uh, Chris Masters was just a body. And... For a while, that was good enough, but once you actually get to the point where you're trying to build feuds around him and stuff like that, if he's got no real personality or emphasis around the fact, besides the fact of, look at the size of my muscles, then there's really not much you can do with that. Um, Mr. Kennedy, again, like Rob says, it's like someone who looked like he was about to break through on multiple occasions. But in hindsight, looking back, he wasn't that good. He was great on the microphone. He had a lot of charisma. And that's to his credit. But in the ring, he was pretty sloppy. And a lot of his moves weren't that impressive. And he injured people and he got injured. So I think that even though Kennedy could have been a bigger star in WWE and maybe should have been a bigger star in WWE based on just based on the reaction he got more than anything else. I don't I think it was for the best that he didn't. I think it's strange that his money in the bank thing didn't work out because it's almost like. The universe was like, nah. I mean, it did work out. It, it, it literally gave, it, gave, it gave us a long term feud between Edge of the Undertaker. I know, that's but, the best yeah, but I, like that whole detour is weird because 
he gets injured just enough to not win the championship and immediately after that becomes like okay well now it's on edge then it's like actually he's kind of fine it's almost like it was like this purposeful roadblock that stopped him from doing that because i think if he would have won that world title people would refer to him differently and his career would have gone differently it might have gone you know just right down the crapper but he would have been a former world champion. It would, like, you know, Kali's a former world champion. Jinder Mahal's a former world champion. Once you win that, you always have won that in the past. And you could always win it again in the future. So he could have potentially bounced back and he could have done something else. They could have looked at him differently and been like, you know what? Maybe we'll keep him around a little bit longer because he is a former world champion. Like, they kind of worked themselves in that way. But it didn't work out. And I think that Kennedy... Once the dust settled, everybody was kind of like, you know what? Maybe he wasn't the next Stone Cold. Maybe maybe that was mostly just that he was a good talker, which I'd love to see him back in WWE as a manager or as an announcer. I mean, MVP was a guy that I wrote off a few years ago. I was like, oh, he would have been great because he came in really strong. I mean, both of those guys, they fought Kane and The Undertaker, you know, and they were having these matches that made them seem like they're a big deal. But MVP's come back, and I think he's having the best run of his career. So who knows what the future holds for Kennedy? I think it's a little too late, but you never know. Is he still in uh, NWA? No. Well, no one's well, NWA. Yeah, NWA doesn't kind of exist right now. But uh, he was doing some boxing ring announcing. So he really took to that microphone. I don't he's know. good for that. That's like what I'm mean. Like He could be a really good announcer. If they wanted to, like, I'm not a big fan of um, Alicia Taylor, for instance. She's not, like, awful or anything, but she just doesn't really do anything special. Put uh, Kennedy down there for NXT. Like, he he has the booming voice for it. He'd be cool with that. Yeah. If he wants to, of course, you know. Maybe he doesn't want to. Uh, let's get another question here. Were you a fan of Sheamus' babyface world title run? Out of his Absolutely. four world title reigns, which one did you enjoy the first? Enjoy the most. Not. Uh, uh, Seamus as a babyface was one of the characters throughout the years that I just hated so much. He just felt like he was shoved down our throats more than a John Cena, more than even a Roman. Seamus in like 2012, 2013 was obnoxious. And no, I did not enjoy that run. Of his championship reigns that I enjoyed the most, here's the flip side. Probably that one because he had the best matches there. And I think that's the best they've ever done with him. But I just did not like seeing that character. So in terms of the babyface run, it doesn't really fit. It didn't really fit with Seamus just because of the character that he was. And yeah, so I, I can't say it was a good run. It was his best run as a world champion because I think it was during that run that I started to appreciate Seamus as a worker because prior to that, he just seems like a guy and just another one of those big guys that they overpushed early on and would just fade away eventually. Like, okay, he gave him the WWE title a couple of times, but he's just because he's like a big guy and he's Triple H's training buddy, of course, that's why you've given him the title. But then he actually shows like, like that match at Extreme Rules with Daniel Bryan is still probably the best match of Seamus's career so far. Or at least like in a one-on-one capacity in WWE. That four-way with um, him, Orton, Jericho, and Del Rio, great match. 
Yeah, so he, at, at right. this point, at this point in his career, in, with the World Championship, he was probably. I mean, he's a great worker now, and that's the point where people got to see it more in action. I, I think that he got the best, the last really great feud out of the Big Show's career as well. Absolutely, that's that's the match I think of when I say that was probably his best run because those Big Show matches were so good and way better than they had any right to be. I don't remember. <laughs> Just like. You know how like your computer defrags things? I've done that with a lot of that wrestling in that era where I'm just sort of like, I know that uh, Rio and Sheamus fought each other like 900 times and I got rid of a lot of things that were around that. But I don't like Sheamus as a babyface. He's a much, much better heel. I I hope that he never goes babyface until like maybe the tail end of his career. Then, I don't know. Then maybe he has... I mean, it kind of depends, too, on his opponents. I think that he's got some feuds left in him that they haven't tapped into that could be fun. Like, uh, Sheamus versus Braun Strowman, I think, could be good. They haven't done that yet? Nope, not really. Uh, I I do think that he could have a good feud with King Corbin, or Baron Corbin, or whatever direction you want to go with. And I think in that scenario, Sheamus has to be the babyface. But the Braun Strowman thing... I think I'd rather go Sheamus as the heel. He'd be good in Raw Underground. Yeah, I think that he could have some fun stuff going on there. Uh, I I do think that Sheamus as a heel could be really good to feud with Drew McIntyre. That's all kind of uh, relative. Maybe maybe there are some babyface things left in him. I don't know. And I do want to see him win the Intercontinental Championship. I know he said that that's one of his goals. I want him to win it. We'll see. Go to some other questions that we got. Uh, who are your favorite? Oh, sorry, just to answer, one, answer one in the chat, which was um, from Grimmy Shot saying, oh, "Do you think we'll see that. Keith Lee have a clean finish on TV on a TV match in 2020?" <laughs> God, no. I hope so. No. I'll tell you. <laughs> right it, it, no. it definitely won't get it if it's with Braun Strowman because I imagine it will just be a load of matches where they, you know, they either well, it was like I count out this week, so next week it will be them going through the stage, like the Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman thing. One of them will be them both going through the ring at the same time. They'll have the ring explosion, all the other stuff, like just w- rinse and repeat. Yeah, yeah guys. He'll win. He'll win at least a couple things after the draft. I think they're just kind of they're not sure what to do with him yet, and they'll figure it out around November. Yeah. Um, who are your favorite good bad guys? Mr. Freeze mainly is just trying to save his wife's uh wife's life. I can make a case for 85% of Disney villains and of course Team Rocket who gave an actor ditto confidence and when Ash found them attacked and didn't ask questions. I'm blanking on the Team Rocket thing. Um it was it was an episode of um well I I don't remember it vividly but like I believe there was an episode where there was a ditto that couldn't uh fully shapeshift into other Pokemon. Like it always kept the Ditto face because it didn't have any confidence in itself. And Team Rocket helped it regain the confidence. And so it could transform into other Pokemon fully. But then Ash just turned up and because he saw Team Rocket, he just had Pikachu electrocute them and they went flying away, <laughs> even though they'd helped the Ditto. <laughs> they were the good guys in the episode but because it's Team Rocket, they have to suffer. That's See, awful. I didn't remember the Team Rocket stuff. I remember Ditto having just the little two little dots in the little face because Ditto's awesome. Mm. and adorable but i didn't remember the team rocket stuff um this is a question from peter peter brings up uh mr freeze mr freeze's story amazing very sympathetic a very sympathetic uh like villain 
Yeah, I mean, when you look back on the comics before Bruce Timm's animated series and you see the Mr. Freeze character, what it originally was, it is awful. It's Mr. Zero or Dr. Zero. I forget which one it is. Mr. Zero. Mr. Zero. And it's like Lex Luthor, essentially, in this, you know, like the way that they used to draw people too. everybody looked like they were in their like mid 50s. So not nobody looks like a threat. It's this balding old dude with this wrinkly skin and this crappy jumpsuit with this like dome on his head. And he's just kind of like, haha, I've got like a pistol and it's going to, you know, freeze you. And it, it, they drew it the way that it looks like snow is coming out of it. It's terrible. And then you get to the animated series and he's got that voice where he's just like, you know, a winter is the coldest damnation of everyone's. And it's just like, man, this guy's awesome. And he's got this cool, like, mech suit kind of thing going on. Tragic story, which is, there's three good ways to tell Mr. Freeze. And this is spoiling so a little bit of my, say, my... Don't you dare say Arnie. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's a different level of good. That one's just flat out cool. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to do a fanboys, uh, like some kind of a live viewing party uh, fan tracks of uh, Batman and Robin at some point. Amazing. What's up, fanboys and fangirls? Uh, but now, to me, this is going to spoil a little bit of my Batman blueprint. I think that there's three Mr. Freeze storylines. One is the typical Mr. Freeze one. You know, he has this whole tragic backstory. He tries to rob a bunch of places to fund his research to cure his wife. Batman realizes what's going on. Batman's like, hey, all right, well, you're not really that bad of a guy. So let me help fund your research. You look into this a little bit. Mr. Freeze goes to jail, but he could still work on it. That could be the end of his story. But I always thought that there's two more stories that are interesting to tell. One of them is... And I think that they did this in the animated series. They might have even done it in the games, too. I'm not entirely sure what I remember it from, but I do remember it. some other place did it. I didn't make it up. Where other criminals force him to do more bad stuff because he's, like, uh, had Nora held at ransom. So it's like, okay, we're going to kidnap Mr. Freeze's wife because we need Mr. Freeze to go steal these things and whatever and fight Batman. So Batman's like, you know, well, crap, you're doing something bad again. What the hell? And he's like, well, I got to because they've got my wife. You know, I think that's a good story. That's and I also, that's the Arkham one. Okay. Yeah. It might've been the animated series too. I'm not entirely sure. But then I think that the, the way to wrap up his story is full blown good where it's just like, he is helping figure stuff out with like how to slow down the Joker toxin or how to undo Mr. Uh, Mr. I was going to say Mr. Freeze, uh, Dr. Crane's um, serum or, you know, like, I think that that's how you end the Mr. Freeze story. Like he ultimately, he has to be a good guy at the end because he's a good guy. He's just doing some bad stuff. So he's an amazing, good, bad guy. Love that character. Underrated. Very cool. Yeah, wow. Damn it. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody that you can put above Mr. Freeze in my opinion. I'm sure there's a lot of other good bad guys. If I look at my um, not that if I look at my my movie list or something, I mean, I've been they're, trying they're to. Funny. Like, I had a few, had a few picked up. I mean, I I like Team Rocket. They're just like goofy. They're they're people that have signed up to Team Rocket and then just didn't want to really get super involved and in all that stuff. They can become less evil as the series go on. 
um, you have a. I don't know why I thought this one though. I thought the um, the Finn Man from Charlie's Angels. Hmm. From the, the original, didn't see it. The original the, the original two movies where he's just like he's meant to be seen as like this devious silent serial killer, but he's actually just like he had a really like rough upbringing and stuff like that, and he got thrown into the wrong crowds and stuff like that, and he falls in love with one of the angels, and then he gets killed, and that was really like really like a sad moment if you like those sort of movies. You got Darth Vader, obviously. Yeah. A good, well, bad originally. <laughs> well, a good guy that turned into a bad guy who then turns good in the end. So maybe that's a uh, Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, like, that's yeah. The, the the classic example. Yeah, he is like yeah, completely misunderstood villain. He's just somebody who d- didn't want. Well, it's not like he wanted to come into existence or anything like that. And he's not a bad person, but it's just just the way that he's seen and portrayed means that he's viewed as a monster. I think um, you look at uh, Captain Barbosa from. Uh, Mm. Parts of the Caribbean, he eventually does become like a full blown good guy. So he had, he 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 wasn't exactly because Jack Sparrow, even though he's the hero, is kind of a dick. You kind of sign yourself sympathising with Barbosa a bit for the reasons that he dislikes him. And then I actually think that this may be a bit of a controversial one. I like I think Jigsaw from the Saw series is a pretty sympathetic character because his reasons for doing it, even though it's like. Again, it's like the mindset of a serial killer, but his mindset is the idea that these people are bad people that he's killing or people that don't deserve or des- deserve to suffer to in order to redeem themselves. So he doesn't kill innocent people, at least not often anyway. I've only seen the first three, so I don't know if like they go off the rails in the fourth and whatever. It's, but in it's... the first three, it's pretty much like here's some some drug dealer that I'm going to put in the trap or here's some guy who was cheating on his wife and whatever. It's, which, it's never just like I grabbed a kid and I threw him in a fucking bear yeah. trap. Which, it, I mean, it's a, it's a weird series in the idea that you'd almost feel like after watching probably up until the seventh one, cause seven one goes a little bit off the rails, but if you keep watching for the whole like few ones, it's like, it, it's almost like you'd feel like they'd written six movies and were just releasing them one after a time rather than, oh, they released one. It's successful. Let's write a sequel. That sort of thing. It's like they actually created, a really pretty tightly put together narrative across all all the movies. Hannibal. Hannibal is uh, a good choice, yeah. Caroline says Dexter from the uh, Showtime show. Showtime, right? Dexter's Laboratory. No, no, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> never seen that show or Dexter. Well, yeah, hold on, you've never seen an episode of Dexter's Lab? No, not a full uh, one. That's just wrong. That was, you know, past my age bracket at that point. Would you constitute Tyler Durden? Yes. I mean, good, bad, bad, He's good. He's kind of bad, good, though. Yeah, it's, it's, that's kind of a tough one. He's awesome no matter what it is. So, uh, <laughs> would you constitute Jenny from Forrest Gump? <laughs> well, I mean, she's a bitch in a lot of ways. So, it's kind of. Uh, do you, do you two, um, I mean, I haven't watched the whole series yet because I'm just like, I actually decided like years and years later to try and catch up with it. But have you guys ever watched uh, Avatar The Last Airbender? I have. Zuko? Zuko, yeah, is the one. Yeah, Zuko is a mind. really, really good, uh, has a great redemption arc. Tony, you would like it. I know you're not like totally into anime, anime, but this one was made in America. Like, this is a show for you. 
Nah, I don't do the whole, um, this guy's possessed by a demon and he controls sand and he runs in the, um, the rain and a field. See, it's field less sad and... and more just <laughs> with the elements. I, th- I think what you just loosely described is maybe season one of Naruto? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it seems like everything that my one friend, uh, talks to me about. He's always like, look at this scene, it's so dramatic. And it's just, you know, somebody running through a field at, at night, crying, talking about how they dishonored their father or something and then yeah i don't know this is the same stuff so going to like the uh, batman side of things again would you class catwoman in this as well you know the way that i write catwoman she's just good for the most part she's a thief yeah but she never really does anything other than steal and sometimes that's not the baddest uh, thing in the world um Red I think Hood. she's flat out a, a hero now in the comics. I think she's like just like a part of the Bat family. But what about the Red yeah, Hood? Red Hood. Yeah, yeah, he's uh he's flawed. Marcellus Wallace, Pulp Fiction. Oh, actually, all characters from Pulp Fiction essentially. I mean, Harley Quinn really fits into that narrative as well. So I mean, modern Harley Quinn has to be the poster child for this. She's portrayed far more as a hero nowadays than she was yeah. in previous iterations. Yeah, modern Harley Quinn is uh, a female empowerment hero that's twisted and isn't it fun if you were the Joker, but you were a chick and you were the good one, as opposed to the character what it used to be, which is this tragic Stockholm Syndrome abusive relationship villain. That makes her sympathetic as well. Yeah, I'm not opposed to it. It's it's a poison ivy almost in the sense that she values plant life over human life. Yeah. And she only does it because she knows that humans, their actions are killing plants. And so that's like, well, she's doing it for noble reasons, at least in her own mind. To the point where it was like a running gag in the uh, recent Harley Quinn animated series, where she's like, I don't even know if I am a villain, because I I just kind of stick up for plants, you know? I don't You're right. I'm a bad person. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's like these characters the thing that makes these bad guys good in people's eyes is just the fact that they're relatable and you can understand their motives more than just some other ones some of people are just like just flat out insane or like just just pure but the best villains are ones that you can kind of you can kind of see yourself in the right circumstances becoming them yeah like strong enough in those things nobody really ever nobody's sane ever looks at victor zaz and goes oh i get it carving people up and then to an Italian mark on your own body. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, nobody's like that, but you can even make a case on some ways when they write the Joker where they're like, you know what? Ah, he's just doing it because he's trying to motivate Batman or whatever, like a zoom for the flash series and, and all that. But the best villains are the ones that you've got at least a twinge of, Hmm. Kind of, kind of get it. Uh, no, no people like that in Terminator. Um, Looking at like my my movie list and whatever Jurassic Tony, Park. You it's... wouldn't put Kylo Ren on that list. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put any of the new Star Wars characters on any list of anything positive except for how uh, how do you want to fuck up a trilogy and you know. Uh, oh, you know what? Here's a weird uh, a weird example: the T Rex from Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's just a T Rex. How can you like really be super? It's hard to it's... be. It's hard to be upset with like, animals. Right, movies, it's, because, like, it's the main have... villain, yet it becomes the main hero at the end. No, I've, I always find the main villain of Jurassic Park is that the, the portly security guard that's trying to steal stuff out of the thing, because he's the one that sets it all into absolute chaos. He's 
he and the investors are the main villains of the whole idea because yeah. the animals are just being animals. It's, it's, what, it's, but, why I don't, like, it's why I don't like the new Jurassic Park thing because in those ones, it's essentially just humans against dinosaurs. I know that's kind of yeah. what Jurassic Park is, but it's so much more stealthy and so much more just like the reason why things are doing is because humans have like fucked up with the idea and stuff like that. Whereas this one, I know it's kind of like, oh, they fucked up because they put them all in a big park and they brought all these people around it. But it just feels like, okay, it's just how many people can we kill in cool ways with dinosaurs rather than a real yeah. suspenseful thriller? Well, these, these uh, movies now are, we took raptors and T-Rex and blank and that's now the big one that you're going to have to fight at the end. That's what the three of them are. I'm assuming that's what the next one is, too. But we got Jeff Goldblum in this. He's going to be in 30 seconds of the film. We'll put him all over the trailer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, things in the Marvel movies, too. Like, obviously, Yondu is a villain of sorts in the first Guardians of the Galaxy and to be a hero in the second one. You can argue Thanos was right. <laughs> Like, I mean, this year is pretty easy to. Yeah, I mean, you know, imagine how like that was last year, where it was all like, "Oh man, we finally got like the end game. This is like the most amazing thing. We're all heading in this positive direction. Like we're we're all going up from here, right, guys? Like, <laughs> and then it's, uh, yeah, you know, right Thanos kind of had the right idea going on here because if there was half as many if people, anything, there'd be yeah, less anything, of. Uh, he was trying to give us mercy. Yeah. <laughs> so lots of really cool. uh characters on that uh side of things um killmonger has a lot of the right ideas in uh black panther good uh good question there peter let's move on to another one we got here do you think that the third party ban is Zelina vega's fault at SummerSlam? i noticed she left early she was on twitch before the show was over taking eyes off the roman return other things i noticed nxt uk's re-debut she and adam cole had 850 plus people and after debuting on raw mason reckoning at eight said twitch stream against nxt i said essentially essentially what he's saying is that he thinks the people streaming on twitch against like actual shows that that, take it away from it yeah no that would make sense that makes sense so that would be kind of a decent reason to at least say hey can we you know, at least tell you not to stream against our shows. That would make sense. Yeah, but it's the but, idea that the response to it means that that's not the race. Yeah, this is clearly like this is money. We want yeah, your money. money, bro. <laughs> yeah, we don't, want, it, we don't want you using the names that we gave you to make money. And now, even if you don't use the names that we gave you, we still, still want using your money. the likeness. Yeah, because still, uh, we, you, we own your face, bitch. Yeah, you, you, you still have a face that we use and a body that we use on TV. And so if you show any part of that face or body, that means we can't do it. Maybe the retribution people can get away with it then because we can't see their face through the masks and stuff like that, even though you can obviously see their faces through the masks. And Yeah, but nobody's going to follow uh, Reckoning on Twitch. <laughs> no. And if they do, they'll be like, hey, Mia, what do you think about your freaking awful name? What pull does Lars Sullivan have? Why is he still with WWE? I have a theory that they don't want to release him because they think that that's going to look bad on them because he has like the the baggage that he's got. I'll go a step further. I talked about this on Sunday. You know, Triple H said about Velveteen Dream, he's still finding himself in life. I think Triple H is under the impression of like, 
you know, these guys are kids. When we were kids, we did crazy shit. It's just the whole world didn't see it. Now, granted, there's completely different spectrum of things we've been talking about, Lars, and Dream. With Lars, everybody's kind of said that he's openly apologized for the racial the stuff that he stuff. said. Yeah, and you can't fire a guy for having done, you know, gay for pay stuff. So there's no real reason to fire him. It's just that you look at all the other people they fired and you go, well, here's low hanging fruit. Why are you going? Yeah. Well, I mean, if they, if it all, the only thing that was going on with Lars Sullivan was that they found out that he used to do some, uh, some porn stuff in the past, then if they would fire him based off of that, then that'd be really shitty. But the fact that he has the message board stuff, he hid that from them, the uh, porn stuff, and that when they were going to give him a push, he just had like a breakdown and he couldn't handle the stress and everything. That's three things. And it's kind of like almost third striker out sort of, he has been injured too. So it's not like he's, he's not great on the mic. You know, there's a lot of factors that I, I think they would be perfectly within their reason to just get rid of Lars Sullivan and to just say like, look, there's a lot of factors going into this. It's not, like we want to get rid of the guy who's done the gay porn stuff. That's that's fine. That shouldn't be an issue. But but I think it's a lot of things that are built up that also make it seem like, hey, if we're gonna call ourselves, you know, champions of mental health stuff, we can't just mm-hmm. release this guy. Yeah, that's why I think that maybe if he wouldn't have had that breakdown, I think he might have been released. Maybe that was even part of it. I don't know. We don't really have any idea what's going on because the few times that people talk about it, they tend to say nothing. So I think last time he was asked about Lars Sullivan, he literally said, like, I had no idea that he was back in the gym or anything like that. Yeah. They kind of either themselves from it and still have him under contract. Maybe they're just going to let him write it out. I don't know. But you got to in a way, you got to feel bad for the guy. Because it seems like nothing that he did, like Jackson Riker, for example, he did something in present times. Nothing that Lars Sullivan did was recent enough for them to be like, all right, well, it's clear that you are still a racist person or that you know, you're unreliable or anything. It was just a series of unfortunate events. Never seen that movie. Jim Carrey. Pretty good. <laughs> I don't think the reasons are far more based than that. I think he, I think Vince thinks he's money. He's a big, scary monster heel. I, but I, I see no issue in that belief. Lars Sullivan is one of the very few guys you could see putting up against Cena. You could see putting up against Hogan in his heyday, Austin in his. Lars Sullivan could be money. I don't think he will be. I don't think well, he will be. Yeah, I think he, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think they see him as it. There's no reason they would keep him on as long as he had if they didn't think they could actually use him. Another question: Do you think Dominic can succeed without Ray? I'm a little afraid that he won't be able to. Eventually, right now he won't. He he's in a he's in the dangerous situation. Nobody really really wants to be in in being a second generation superstar that has. A hugely, I mean, there's there's very few second generation superstars that will have a more famous and revered 
farther than Rey Mysterio. As somebody uh, who's just essentially the greatest luch in many people's eyes, the greatest luch draw of all time. Um, Charlotte Flair was able to do it because of the um, the difference in gender. I think we saw that with David Flair, he had no chance in hell. I've, uh, uh, that's uh, it, it's it's more than a difference of gender. Charlotte is her own oh, person. Charlotte, has Charlotte her own is phenomenal. Charlotte on Charlotte without the Flair name would have been a top superstar because she's just that good. No, it's I'll diff- give you that. The difference with Dominic is the fact that at the moment we haven't seen a great deal of personality from him. He doesn't seem to have a lot of charisma right now, but he's young and he will develop. So I don't. That's fine. But the issue I don't want to put. Roster doesn't have charisma. But I just don't want him to get too much pressure straight away or get the comparisons too much, which is difficult when you're teaming with your father on week to week television and stuff like that. So eventually, it's just the idea of once Ray goes or Ray's not part of the company in as active a capacity, and then there's just Dominic there. Can he still get the same reaction from the crowd? And I think, at least from the in the early days, it's going to be difficult. I think, even though this is he's done reasonably well with the stuff that he's done so far, so I don't have any issues with that. I almost feel like this pro, this push to prominence straight away and this run will actually hurt him in the long run, then benefit him. It's. I think it's going to all depend on new fans. How many new fans come in and see Dominic as just Dominic? Like, as weird as it might sound to us, there's a contingency of people who are like, yeah, Natalia is better than even Brett. Even though I know Brett's her uncle, but like, people clearly think Natty's better than Anvil. And there's some that will even say she's more meaningful than Brett. I mean, those people are within their right to think that, but... They're it's wrong. all going to be a generational thing. <laughs> I didn't want to say it like that. No, nah, they're wrong. She's better than Anvil. She's not as good as uh, Brett. She's not yeah. as good as Owen either. That, that is absolutely fair. Um, I worry that Simone Johnson, in that case, you know, how the fuck do you live up to The Rock? You I'll know? put it out there and say I don't think Simone's going to do anything. I think she will. I don't think she's going to have a single match. I think she will. She's gotten what three or two? Uh, she got three knee surgeries. I don't, but I don't know. Like maybe she had knee issues prior to. Maybe she was in gy- a gymnast or something. Yeah, I I don't think it's gonna end up working out. I think she's gonna end up being one of those. You go through the performance center and you don't do anything, even in NXT type of things. She's only but, like eighteen or nineteen. She'll be. This is the career where people have career-ending football, basketball injuries, and they're like. Hey, go throw yourself at the ground for three days a year. It's true. So I, I think she'll pull through. Dominic, I think the big thing that's helping him right now is he doesn't wear a mask. So he's separating himself a little bit from that. Eventually, he's going to wear a mask. Do you think like, he becomes a wrestler? Nah. I, I think there's a chance. I mean, I don't know if she has any kind of athletic background. It seems like she's just on, like, the storytelling side of things. Maybe she is. I don't know. Let's go to another thing here. Or names like Big Show, Kane, and Undertaker were great names for back in the day. Do you think, and feel free to add on those names, would work today? I, I, it's as far as, like, just, like, the names, like, the characters themselves? Well, um, yeah, well, let me just put it out there. They're not great names. <laughs> They're names that would bury most talent, but the people that held them were talented enough that they could get away with it. 
See, I think that they're great names for certain things. I don't think you could go with naming somebody the big show now, but as a nickname, it could work. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, I mean the phenomenal the AJ Styles. Yeah, that, it was initially the Big Show, Paul Wyatt. Yeah, and then they just started calling him Big Show because Vince loves Big Blank. We've had a hundred Big such and such, Big E, Big Hungry, Big uh, Big Hungry, Big Red, Big uh, Cast, Big Jordan. You know, Big whatever is like just a thing with Vince. You'd think that he would want Big Junior at some point, right? Because <laughs> he hates Junior. But I mean, the Undertaker was originally Kane, the Undertaker. Yeah, I think Bruce Pritchard just likes the name Kane. I think it's a cool name. I mean, I when mean, they it's in, great name. when they introduced Kane, that was a cool thing. It was like, okay, the Undertaker's got this evil brother, and his name's Kane, like Cain and Abel. Like that's pretty sweet. I think that that could work. It's a hell of a lot better than Relic. Wow, Tony. Going back but, and pulling something out you didn't expect, right? Did you know that Relic fell backwards? If you didn't, the uh, the TNN commentary team would tell you every single week that that was the case. That was, oh god, that was so terrible. But I, I I just feel like I think Kane works because of what's happening with the Undertaker stuff, like that. and I think because it's a short, sharp name, it has a bit of interest. Like, if you spelt that name with a C rather than a K, then it becomes a stupid name. But then you spell it with a K and it actually looks cool. The Undertaker. A name like The Undertaker just doesn't work in today's landscape. No, it would have to be Mark Calloway, The Undertaker, is is, uh, just like, you know, the phenomenal one type of thing. You can have nicknames and monikers for those sort of things. You just can't... You just can't call them that straight away unless... I mean, maybe it would work. It, it has to be the right person. And it has to be someone who's so willing to dive into that character. I miss Mankind. You know, like, that's a cool name. <laughs> what was the, the name that they were originally going to give him? Mutilator. Yeah. Oh, God. That would have been so bad. <sighs> one, and I mean, done, one and done with The Undertaker, and then we never hear from him again. Like, the Mutilator is a word that like doesn't get used enough to really kind of make it seem like it's like a, a real word even like nobody ever says oh that person's such a mutilator it just isn't like part of the the lexicon essentially but um that in itself as like a nickname or a, a different kind of phrase to use you know how they always do the victimized and brutalized and whatever kind of thing like if it was like oh my god he's a mutilator he just uh, whatever uh, it's a little hokey as it is, but if you name the person the mutilator, then that starts coming into you know the eliminator and like some different things like that. But Mason, can you imagine them being just like, oh, here comes Mason, and then just yeah, okay, you know, it's just not an intimidating enough sounding name. Like if they would have gone with uh, since uh, you know, a mortician. Is a hard part of the whole Undertaker vibe. If they would have been like Morty the Undertaker, <laughs> oh, good old Mortimer, well, the mortician. Well, Mason doesn't <laughs> work as a name, but if you just cut off this son at the end and it's just Mace, then it actually like really works out really well. <laughs> but then if you go with like Mason Ryan, that's a fine enough name. Well, yeah, it's real because yeah. it's just a guy. Yeah. You know, that's where the difference becomes because I, would, I mean, I would, I would like to see more characters, but you'd be more like like American gladiators or something like that, where you can call people like 
tight and yeah. frost or something. Yeah, if you start getting into that, then you get a little bit like more hokey and cheesy, and then it's okay. You know, you can have Gladiator as somebody's name. You can have uh, the, I don't know, the Wolfman or something. Uh, I don't remember a lot of the other people. Atlas, I think, was the name of one of them. You can do that because they're just going to be. What's your defining trait? Oh, you've got a snake tattoo. Okay, well then this woman is called Viper. Yep. You know, yep. and uh, what what is your thing? You've got a mohawk. Well, this one's going to be called Hawk. The um, right. NWA champion Nick Aldis started off his career as a um, a gladiator in the British uh, British. He uh, did. Yeah, Oblivion was his name. Hmm. I he like doesn't strike name. me as an Oblivion. I love the word Oblivion, but he doesn't strike me as an Oblivion. And he came. It, it's, it's the idea that he started off with doing that, and then he came into TNA with virtually no wrestling experience whatsoever, and they gave him an, a gladiator gimmick, calling him Brutus Magnus, and that was just like. Yeah, he was a pretty hokey character to start off with before he became good. Uh, Brutus Magnus is a name that I don't dislike. Yeah. Because that's got like a Romanish kind of theme. I don't know if it really would fit him. And, uh, you know, if you were like a Farouk where you get, for some reason, Farouk Assad with you're in a teal uh, armor kind of setup, that was just, that, that was bad. You could, oh, um, Grimshaw asking in chat, do you like, flip the question? Do you think Undertaker, Kane, or Big Show would be as successful if they were called the Retribution name? <laughs> like how he says T Bar, Mace, and Cranchit, or whatever the other one's called. <laughs> Cranchit. Um, Slapjack, <laughs> I believe, he's trying to remember. <laughs> I love that. They should just, Shane Thoris changed his name to Slapjack to Cranchit. <laughs> I kind of feel like, yeah, I think. At an, in another time, they could have made it work. Even a name oh. like T Bar could have worked. I I would say that they wouldn't have worked in an age of social media. Yeah, because they would have been eaten alive on social media. Maybe not so much Kane and the Undertaker, just because it like Undertaker was at a time when WWE was doing names like that, and Kane isn't the worst name by any stretch of imagination. The Big Show would have been absolutely eaten alive. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at back at, at some of those errors from before that. We had Axe, Smash, and Crush. Yeah, again, it's, it's just a different era, though. Like, yeah. Those sort of, so, that was when you had, like, Doink and stuff like that, hearing and things like that. You had really weird names all over the place. If you had three people dressed up in something similar to what they've got now, because that wasn't a style back then, instead of a demolition... Or, you know, Road Warrior Hawk, Road Warrior Animal, if you had Mace and T-Bar and whatever. I still don't understand T-Bar as a name. But, like, uh, let's just say that he's Crowbar instead, just because that makes more sense. Crowbar and Mace and Slapjack is still stupid, but you know what I mean. Uh, If you had those three and they're all dressed up in, like, some kind of Mad Max type of outfits and they're in the early 90s, I think that they could work. They're probably really cool. They're probably, like... A fan favorite, you know. I get so nostalgic for, you know, T Bar and Mace if they're in that era, right? But if you get them in '98, I think people laugh at them the way that I they think... laughed at the Disciples of Apocalypse because that's like it's eight ball and chains, and we're all like, and they're lame, you know, <laughs> like just aren't I so cool because I'm Skull and I've got my head shaved? No, hey, you're hey, gonna hey, lose at to at Los Bariquas. Main event in a pay per view today. That he did. Crush was the only good one out of the mix, though. Crush was great. I'm surprised Crush never got a belt. He's good. 
Superstar scores crush. I'll have to do that at some point. Crush should be on that list of like, why didn't he win the Intercontinental title or something? Because he was really bad in the ring. <laughs> he was all right. I mean, for God's sake, uh, I think in some cases he's better than Luger. I think he's just. I'd have given him the Intercontinental at some point. I think he was a poor man's like Ultimate Warrior from Hawaii. So I, I still think if uh, Kona Crush was a drink, I would totally drink it. We established this on a dark cast in the past. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Hawaiian did. punch. I mean, you know who Crush is, right? That's that's Brian. Is Adams, right? He's Brian Adams. Brian yeah. Adams, yeah. So he's from Chronic, and Chronic were terrible in the ring. So, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see the appeal so of him apart from the fact that he was big. I don't know how that match was so bad when Undertaker had worked both Adam Bomb and Crush in the past, and it was not that abysmal. Let's go to another one here. With the ages of the NXT superstars being 35+, plus, do you want them to stay in the NXT roster or go to the main roster? Priest is 38. 38? Really? Yeah, Priest is really old. Jeez. And I'm okay if he stays in NXT. One specific couple I want to ask is Johnny Candice. We already talked about Johnny Candice a little bit. Uh, if Priest is 38, give him to the main roster right now. You know, I mean, Keith Lee is that age. He's around yeah, but he's on the main roster. Yeah, I know, but he wasn't for, until like a couple of months ago, and he, I think, if you find he was still pretty close to that age a couple of months ago. But it's it's, it's not an age thing though with this company. It's about who they feel like is better positioned in certain brands than others, or who will be utilised better in certain brands than others. I don't think I don't think just because okay, the guy hits X years, he needs to be on the main roster now. Realistically, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And you're on the main roster. Dominic should be in NXT, and if that was the regard, but right. maybe he's not good enough or something like that. But it fits with what they're doing with the story right now. You just, if somebody is getting really good really quickly, then you get them onto the main roster. If somebody you think is better place to just be in NXT for a longer period of time, then you keep them there instead. I think it's one well, of somebody... those things where we are obsessed with age almost as wrestling fans because we were told for so long. Oh man, 30, you're kind of, I don't know, man, you're kind of over the hill. And there's also the added factor of stuff like Shawn Michaels tweeting out, great match by Damian Priest. This young man has a great future ahead of him. And somebody replied, Shawn, he was, he's older than you when you came back. Like, he's not that young. But yeah, it's, it's just perception now. To me, it kind of depends on the person, and it kind of depends on their age, and it kind of depends on what you want to get out of them. Obviously, that's like not really an answer, but somebody like a Damian Priest, I think that Priest is good enough now that if you put him on the main roster, he'd figure out his way. And I think that somebody like a Dominic, he needs to learn more, so he would be better in NXT, and he's young enough that he could go through that. But then there's also like Austin Theory. I think Theory's good enough that he could have stayed on the main roster, and he's really young. Yeah, I've started, I've started to lose a lot of interest in Austin Theory. And then you get a guy like an Elias. Elias is on the older spectrum. I think he would be better off learning a little bit more. Yeah, he's just yeah. I mean, again, it's like certain people start off this thing a lot uh, later on. I mean, wasn't like Batista like he was in even in his early thirties when he really broke into the company in the first place. He was like thirty plus when he started training. Yeah, so there are certain people that will pick that stuff up a little later on anyway. And there's some people that just don't get very good early on. They need time to develop and stuff like that. But if we're serious with ourselves, probably a good 
half to two thirds of NXT would work on the main roster perfectly fine. Because mm-hmm. they, yeah. they, they all work the independent circuit and they all know how to work really well. And this whole shit about, oh, they need to know what the right, where the right cameras are or they need to know how to do a proper promo or something like that. It's just a load of bullshit that they want to do to just try and like brainwash them into the WWE style. Now, I think that at one point that was applicable. Now, not so much. Like, I, I think, you know, 10 years ago, there was a large gap between a Tyler Black and a John Cena. Nowadays, like, I'll give you an example. They just put out the uh, performance center, most recent performance center recruits. And these are all largely evolved people, except for one guy who was signed from the NCAA. And, like, I think Josh Briggs could probably walk right into the main roster right now. Did they they put the names out for that? Yeah, you want me to go through them real quick? Is that up on the website? Yeah. Let me try to find that. Because I uh, didn't know that that happened. Did that, like, just happen? That just happened as we were talking. And also, you shouldn't call them performance center recruits. They're now, um, there was it now, now uh, Capital, Capital Wrestling, Wrestling Center recruits. Uh, I, like I don't see it on their website. A lot of people... Yeah, I couldn't find it either. I'll send you a link. So maybe just yeah. send you a link. <laughs> In uh, typical WWE fashion, you put out news and it's not on your news section or on your main page. So h- how do you find these things? Go to smartoutmoment.com, I'm telling you. It's like it, there's more of a chance that things are going to be updated on my site than there is on the actual WWE website. So real quick, it's uh, Brandy Lauren, Kurt okay. Stallion. Don't know. Retro Anthony Green. Kurt Stallion was on one of the Evolve shows. Uh, Retro Anthony Green, who was on the Evolve show. Leon Ruff is officially signed, even though they said that like two months yeah. ago. Uh, Joe Gacy, who's been in CZW and Evolve. Josh Briggs, who was great. Uh, Jacob Casper, who's a 25-year-old amateur wrestler. And Jake Clemens as a referee, who's been in Evolve and AIW. Jake Clemens sounds familiar. Um, Brandy Lauren was seen. Uh, Briggs, I remember thinking it was cool. If I remember correctly, Anthony Green was kind of fun. Green really was fun. The other names. Yeah, he was with Lauren. I don't know if I'll keep them together still. Kurt Stallion's okay. Briggs, again, could go on the main roster right now. Joe Gacy's pretty good. And yeah, but as Calvin was saying, like these are people who could probably work well on Raw today because it's so different now than what it was when the idea of developmental was first really implanted in our heads, you know? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the NXT thing, it used to be a lot different and there's certain people, of course, if you take somebody from a non-wrestling background, I think they need to go through NXT. Like Jordan. He was like a basketball player, right? Something like that. Not Michael Jordan, big Jordan. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, if yeah, anybody yeah. if anybody puts it out there. Of course Jordan was. He's the best player. You know, yeah, I know. Um, no, but I Jordan think that he came from that side of things. And like the great Kali, for instance, he was a cop. And they brought him in because he's big. And it was like, you you stand and you chop and whatever. And he never figured out how to do anything more than what he could do. But, like, I think that Jordan, for instance, right now is probably in the best spot he can be. Where he's doing some training in the performance center. 
and they are using him as a guy that's, you know, a bouncer for Raw Underground, which is cool. They've had him be that ninja, that's that big imposing ninja for a spot, like whatever. It gets him a little bit of experience, and it doesn't hurt him because he's in a mask, so nobody knows. I think that that's the way to go with somebody like him. Whereas somebody like an Adam Cole, I mean, he could have gone to the main roster and he would have been fine. If Adam Cole, and this is a size thing, because every time I think about Adam Cole on the main roster, I think of that Royal Rumble he was in where he's yeah, just, true. he's still tiny. And I thought the the size difference had changed, but like he went in that Rumble in 2018, I want to say it was, the one that Nakamura won. And he just looked so small. I mean, as far as, like, skill level, though, yeah, I mean, he would fit right in. No, skill level, Adam Cole's better than a lot yeah. of people in the company. And the same thing for a lot of the women, too. I mean, they used to employ a lot of models that they would have to teach the basics to. And then nowadays, when they're bringing somebody in who's done the independent thing, then they don't need to do that as much. Because, you know, Mercedes Martinez, for instance, she's been around long enough. She knows how to wrestle. So just put her on the main roster, which apparently they might have taken her off the main roster at this point. It's kind of weird. No, they didn't. Um, yeah, the, now there's a story going around that maybe she's not a part of uh, this anymore. It's fucking... It was a COVID issue, guys. Like, she's uh, all right. There's a Mustafa Ali tweet. Oh, no. About... Uh, it's uh, footage of, like, why they became part of Retribution, and she's not a part of it. Everybody else is. It's only because she wasn't around long enough. <laughs> well, they have they have like Mia Yim uh, getting attacked before War Games. They have uh, Keith Lee putting down Dominic Dijakovic. They've got Shane Thorne doing something, I forget. And uh, Mustafa Ali with the money in the bank that Brock got. Oh, very cool. So they've got that as like their supposed reasons, and there's no Mercedes. Oh, and Dio Madden with uh, Brock, too, obviously. I mean, and yes, Ben, I am saying Cherry, Rosa Mendes, and Oksana didn't know how to wrestle. They never learned either. <laughs> uh, you know what's interesting? Uh, Conrad Thompson tweeted out a picture of, like, oh, it's uh, old women's championship nameplates. And they had nameplates made for, like, Tori and Stacy and Nidia. And Calum and I, for Paul Hannon's SmackDown podcast, have been watching a lot of Tori and Nidia, and I can't ever think that either one of those women were ever actually planned to be the women's champion. Nidia was pretty good. She's good as a character. No, she did work as well. I never saw Nidia. She, she really? Outside of, I mean, like... I'll mean, uh, put it this way. At that point in her career, she wouldn't have been anywhere close to the current women's workers, but I think that she could have been trained to get to the current level of the women's workers. I don't think Tori could have. Tori would have been one of those champions that she would have been given the belt because she's the all-American blonde yeah, Kelly, girl a, kind of thing. Kelly, Kelly Ryan. Yeah. But yeah. Tori never really learned how to wrestle. Tori never would have been a Beth Phoenix, for instance. If Tori could have stuck around into the Divas Championship era, I think she would have been the first one. Wasn't she still on? Nope. She huh. she leaves, I think, right before the championship is created. Oh, that sucks for her. Yeah, she hmm. she did a lot. She was, you know, the WWE girl for a while, so she did well. 
Uh, let's go to another question here. Who do you think was better outside of WWE? Main reason to ask is Karrion Cross is not connecting with me, but I loved the White Rabbit. Swerve Scott has no character. Killshot told one of my favorite stories ever. Chelsea and T- uh, TNA, like the psychopath thing. Um, I never watched any of those three outside of it, so I don't know about any of that. Um, other than Chelsea for uh, like a, a little bit here and there, but uh, outside of WWE, who's better? Um, I mean, I give you a pretty long list here. If you're up for, it. but um, just the people that I just thought off the top of my head, like in just like a few minutes preparation, Bobby Lashley was better in TNI than he has ever been in WWE. I agree with that. Uh, Bobby Roode is far better in TNI. Roode, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, Eric Young, way better in uh, TNI. Uh, Matt, That's not saying much though. <laughs> Matt, Matt Riddle was better outside of WWE than he is inside of it. He's just complete. I mean, NXT was fine, but even then, it was like it's not the same Matt Riddle. Uh, Teddy Kalimojo. Yeah, Samojo. Well, actually, I I kept, I kept Samojo off because I actually think he was portrayed better and more seriously in WWE than he was in TNI. Post two thousand and eight, everything that everything Joe did to post two thousand and eight was pretty just nothing with TNA. Um, Cedric Alexander, uh, the Viking Raiders or the War Raiders, as they were better known in the independent circuit. Uh, maybe a controversial one, Kevin Owens. I think Kevin Steen was a better character and a better, just was portrayed better in Ring of Honor than he has been in WWE which has always been very stop start, especially now where he's basically got zero direction whatsoever. See, I think that's funny because Owens, like through 2016, maybe even 2017, I would have said he's the best transition ever from the Indies to WWE. But yeah, he's in full losing it mode where I think I would have preferred to see what Kevin Steen could have done outside of WWE. You have uh, Ricochet, obviously. Right. Nobody's going to deny that. Uh, John Morrison, I'd say, is better. Was better in uh, both Lucha Underground and TNA than he has been in WWE. I disagree with that. I think he's just more in more of a prominent position. Shinsuke. Shinsuke, oh, absolutely, is absolutely on. one. I mean, <laughs> I've, again, I've held. I think WWE was Shinsuke's retirement tour. Just like give me a bit of time off, just like I get to work a slightly easier style. Don't have to kill my body every single night being hit over the head with clotheslines by Ishii or something. Then I think, yeah, you're going to take that if you have the opportunity. Um, Drake Maverick, Rockstar Spud is a far better character. Uh, Candice LeRae portrayed far better on the independent circuit. Uh, Santana Garrett, who I saw have plenty of good matches on the independent circuit, and has never seen have a single good match in, since she uh, joined <laughs> WWE. Yeah, she really has not been good. Yeah. Pretty much anyone from the old ECW coming into WWE. Oh, Ben puts out Awesome Kong. <laughs> oh yeah, Awesome Kong is a, yes, that's a big, that's a big shout. Uh, Kevin Nash is was better in WCW than he was in WWE. <sighs> Uh, he was he was a bigger star in WCW than he's ever been in WWE. Yeah, bigger star. I don't know about necessarily better, but I mean you could argue it. If Kevin I, Nash in the NWO. Cut, if I could cut Kevin Nash's career off at 1998, I think I would just say they're equal. But I he did too much goofy shit, 
after uh, he split from the NWO and in like the TNA stuff where I just think his WWE stuff was probably better in that he was always portrayed as a big deal. No, but I always go with the idea that there's a reason why we call him Kevin Nash and we don't call him Diesel whenever he appears in like WWE and stuff like that. Not, there's a reason why he didn't revert back to Diesel when he came back to WWE. It's because he was a bigger star in the NWO and he became a bigger deal as Kevin Nash. That's fair. And then there's Goldberg, obviously. Yeah. He's way biggest. I mean, I'm more referring to his 2003, 2004 run, which was just, he was not the same Goldberg as the one that was in WCW. And then there's the two most controversial ones on my list, which probably will get some a lot of disagreement, which is Kurt Angle. Yeah, I have to I have to agree with you. In TNA, they booked him like he was the great he's the greatest ever wrestler of all time in in impact wrestling. And like he was treated as like essentially just a legend among us at this point in time. Whereas in WWE, obviously they, they got to that point where he was the wrestling machine towards the end of it, but he was still pretty goofy Kurt Angle because WWE still saw that goofy side of him. And then the other one is AJ Styles. Mm, AJ, I I think from what from my experience, I enjoy his WWE stuff more. But I just don't. Think, I, I could don't, totally see the argument for why the TNA stuff and and even the um, New Japan stuff. Yeah, that's would be the, better. I mean, yeah, they're the two obviously the two aspects of it. But it's just the idea that that AJ was super motivated, was doing so much in the ring, so much innovative stuff. This AJ in WWE is really, I mean, he's super experienced. He knows everything that he needs to do in the ring all that other stuff. I just feel like once you get past the Cena feud, even though he had that really long run with the WWE Championship, that was one of the most boring, soul-destroying runs as, as a WWE Champion that I can possibly remember. I'm uh, going to apply what I said about Kevin Owens. It looked like, wow, what a transition. And I'll still say for AJ... It's super cool that he was able to transition and kind of be seen as a WWE guy when I vividly recall the time in life where AJ going to WWE just didn't seem possible. But Callum nails it with the motivation. I don't think AJ Styles right now is motivated to do spectacular things. You want a a, a low-hanging fruit answer? Sure. Sting. Sting, yes. That's a very good one. It's like, oh, your great WWE career. You had a shitty theme. You wrestled uh, Triple H and you lost. And you wrestled Big Show and you won. And then you got injured. Yeah, and you retired. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> it's I, pretty I, awful. And then subsequently, after retiring, spent like the next two years almost pleading for something with The Undertaker. <laughs> Well, now every time he gets brought up, like Undertaker seems like he's like mad about it or something. Like well, more and more as time goes on, Undertaker starts throwing out there like, "Well, the reason it didn't happen is because the match is going to suck." Whatever. It's just like I, I think that's okay. Fair. I think you know we saw an Undertaker in the last ride who was very self-conscious and he wants to work with people who are going to make him look good, minus Goldberg. But hey, he can't say no to the money and. I think he's like, listen, it would be bad. Like, we cannot do it now. Maybe we could have done it 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but we can't do it. Stop stop asking for it because it's not happening. (laughs) Uh, Young Bibby in the chat says, were you guys a fan of 2006 SmackDown? 
and also had put down SmackDown versus Raw 2007 as the best WWE game. I never played them. I disagree no with that, but still. That's, 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 that's an interesting take, but uh, 2006 SmackDown, I, I want to say... I mean, I mean, the big thing... Well, 2006 SmackDown is Mysterio, world champion, Booker, King Booker. That's some good stuff. Finley, that's when Finley comes into his pomp. That's a lot of Kennedy. There's a, there's a lot of Kennedy in that one as well. You have Undertaker's pretty good at is getting good at that sort of stage. He's starting yeah. to actually have some decent matches and things like that. Um, it, it's a good it's a good year. It, it, there's definitely worse years that SmackDown has had. I think if I look back on it now, I'd probably say, "Wow, this was a lot better than I recall it being." But I remember thinking at the time that stuff was starting to fall off the wagon, and I would say the best thing about SmackDown 06 has to be Undertaker finding his groove again, and he's about to tear it up for the next three years. Here's a potentially controversial opinion. When I was getting back into wrestling in 2006, 2007, that kind of stuff, I remember one of the things that I was annoyed with was, man, they're really pushing Finley. Finley was great. I was like, you know, I remember Finley as just this dude in WCW that I never got into. And then in WWE, he's this older dude that I'm not really into. Like, I appreciate Finley more now than I did back 15, 14 years ago. 14 years ago? Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It just hit me in a weird way. I don't like that. That's hitting my stomach right now. It's ridiculous. Uh, ah, I don't like this. Um, I appreciate him more now in retrospect, especially now that I know how much he was contributive to the women's division and some different things like that. But I can't honestly tell you a single Finley match from that 2006 to 2008 or whatever range that I was excited to see and liked other than the one moment in him against JBL at WrestleMania where JBL throws the trash can at Orrin Swoggle. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember, Finley wise, where I'm like, all right, I like that. That was fun. Finley is not one of those guys that I could sit there and go, man, it's a great match with this, and he's so good. He should have won a, a world title. And he, you know, him, he's the United States champion, is such a great. Finley to me is just one of those guys where I'm like, yeah, he's he knows what he's doing, but I'll lump him in with like a Greg the Hammer Valentine. A guy that I would never really be excited to go back and watch a match of, but I understand why people appreciate him. Um, I, I Again, Finley, controversial opinion. I, I thought Finley was great. I understand what Tony is saying. Tony, I, I don't think, watches wrestling to see two you know, gritty men grapple. So like a Finley versus Benoit, a Finley versus Regal wouldn't be his cup of tea. But I thought you know Finley was good. Orton in 06 in that early SmackDown run had some gems. I think that there was a lot going on in 06 where it was a transitional year. And ultimately it was good, but at the time I don't think I appreciated it. I think I was more mad at the transitioning at, you know, like, Hey, angles leaving and my favorites aren't around as much. Whereas I think now I'd look back and go, oh man, the good old days. Because as Tony just had a horrible epiphany too, it was 14 years ago. And a different time in life. 
<laughs> oh, we had a uh, question asking, what's our opinion on Dexter Loomis? I like him. Uh, he's fine. I mean, I mean, it's better than Samuel Shaw, but that's not really saying too much. Yeah. <laughs> Samuel Shaw. Dude, I overrated a little bit. Like, Road Dog was like, oh, dude, he's going to be a big time deal in NXT and already looking at main event for him. And I'm like, Samuel Shaw, really? I think we're overthinking the fact that he draws and he can draw nice things. Like it's it's a fine character, but I don't want to see it at the top of the card. I think he's got a an interesting look. He moves well. He's he could play babyface, I think, in a weird way, but he's probably better off as a heel. I like him and I want to see where he goes in the future. He's a guy that I don't want them to move up to the main roster. Right now, he needs to stay in NXT. He needs to work his way up, and then, then we'll see. You mean but you don't like wanna, you don't want to see him go to the main roster, form a tag team with Elias, where one sings and the other one draws pictures? <laughs> yeah. No. Let's go to a Twitter question. Oh, Wasp uh, sent a tweet out here that uh, I just noticed right now I'm a little bit later on it. What is your personal philosophy of building a successful wrestling organization? What would you focus on? Oh, this is a podcast in itself, Sammy. Yeah, I mean, let, let's put it this way. We can't answer that because none of us have worked in the wrestling industry and the only people we have seen do it that, that haven't exactly run it the most successfully the way of the world. I, I think I would say the thing that you want to focus on is you you don't don't try and over innovate there are stuff that has worked for eons in a wrestling organization and stuff like that stick to the basics at least early on and then see mm-hmm. where it goes from there don't just try and reinvent the wheel immediately because everyone's tried to say like this one of two things they've either said we're taking wrestling in a completely different direction or we're taking wrestling back to the good old days and yeah. neither of those approaches work ever no, no. and you get the type of thing where if you take it back to the quote-unquote good old days, people think it's boring. So you start adding in new elements which don't fit the good old days and upsets the people that wanted to watch the show that's the good old well, days. Yeah, but it's the idea of like, what is the good old days of wrestling? Is the idea that, is it the 1950s? Is it the Hogan rock and wrestling era? Is it the Attitude era? Is it like old-style ECW right. and all that other stuff? There's, there's so many different ways you could take it. You kind of just have to find... I'd say find a niche and try and stick to it. Like you can go in slightly different directions. You could introduce like weight limits and stuff like that. Or the idea that you have a, you have a definitive cruiserweight division, a definitive heavyweight decision, all that other stuff. It's just, there there are different ways to, you can approach it to try and separate yourself out. Like um, Bloodsport doing their most, their like MMA style sort of wrestling. Yeah, like, there, there, there are ways to distinguish yourself, but I just, I, I just don't think that I again I don't think we're in the we're in the best position to say that sort of thing. But the idea is just to not str- stray too far from the garden path. I would agree. I tell you one thing that I wouldn't do: have a bunch of executive vice presidents that all have different ideas of what they want their organization to be, and trying to figure out a way to merge them all. And yet that's somehow working better than having a huge team of writers and other people to uh, to run your organization. The difference I also, is with AEW, I wouldn't have the uh, the only me 
approach either. I think that I've got good ideas. Obviously, everybody thinks that they've got good ideas. If they didn't, then why would they think that those ideas are what they want to believe in? You know, it's the whole argument, like, uh, my opinion's my opinion because it's my opinion kind of thing. But I don't think that the Vince McMahon approach works either, too, because you are having writers that write for Vince instead of writing for the show. So I think that it's a healthy medium you need to find. I think that WWE had the best ideas when they had somebody steering the ship that was willing to listen to multiple people, yet those multiple people weren't going from completely different perspectives. So you got somebody who's like, maybe we should have a little bit of some, you know, some violence on the show. And then you got another person who's like, yeah, but we can't have just all violence. We need to have some just technical wrestling. And then another person's like, yeah, but we need some sex appeal. And another person's like, but we got to have some comedy. I think you need a combination of things. And it's all about figuring who's the best to merge those all together. I think that would be my approach. I think much like Callum said, you don't stray from what works. And to Tony's point about finding a happy medium, one of the things that doesn't work about AEW the way they've done it is you can clearly see where the direction shifts and you're like, oh, well, that was all Cody and that was all Buck. Yeah. And what I would do is I wouldn't promise to reinvent the wheel. and I, But I also would be like, we're going to do wrestling that isn't, you know, far from what you know, but will bring back elements of things that make sense. Suppose it's simply people probably wouldn't like my wrestling because I kind of <laughs> I kind of agree a lot with Jim Cornette's philosophy on wrestling. So people probably wouldn't like me, is what I'm saying. Because I I think that one of the biggest issues in wrestling is it doesn't take itself seriously. And I'm not saying act like it's real. I'm just saying like my God. Can we stop the, the you know, phony Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan stuff? And, like, the, the Dark Order could be great, but, like, they fully embrace the fact that they're dorks. I would stop all of that. Like, because I just want to see, you know, wrestling that makes sense where two people want to be champion. Like Ring of Honor in the Pure Title Tournament. That's been fun. That works. I mean, the fundamental answer to a lot of this stuff as well is that a lot of the stuff we said. But the big thing is you just need a star. If you have somebody who is a star name to be the bedrock of your company, you can. it doesn't really matter what else is going on. The, the booking through the rest of the show, the matches could be terrible. If, if you have somebody who's a draw, then you're going to be successful to at least a certain extent for a certain period of time. Worked with Hogan, worked with Austin. I mean, a lot of the attitude error is shit, but Austin was there, and so it worked out really, really well. So you have that character, yeah. things will work out well for you, at least in the short term. You got to get lucky, too. And that's just with any business. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, you could have the same exact model and the same exact, literally everything, and if you're not lucky, you're screwed. You could take the the recipes of you know McDonald's burgers and whatever and you don't have the gar- golden arches and you're not McDonald's and you know it's just i don't know why you would want the McDonald's recipes cuz a lot of their food doesn't taste all that great but uh 
Let's look in the chat here. Let's see if the some other things catch up one. Um, in case you guys didn't agree with my four horsemen, uh, four horsewomen shield comparisons last time. So this time, what about Becky Austin, Sasha Rock, Charlotte Triple H, Bailey Foley? Oh, for like the like the Attitude Era major stars. I think I think I think there's a bit of a stretch yeah. in some of the ones. I mean I mean Becky Austin kind of makes sense because she's like the no that no, no no nonsense like just get out there does what needs to be done i think sasha rock is a stretch i think sasha could have been more efficient than that i don't think the actual sasha is at that sort of charisma level it's hard to compare anyone to the rock essentially because the rock is just a a phenomenon of his own creations or his own like hard work and dedication it's just like you, you can't replicate that in another person really uh charlotte triple h I mean, it makes sense considering the fact that it feels like sometimes that Charlotte's booking herself to win all this stuff because there can't be any other explanation for it. But um, Bailey Foley. If we're talking babyface Bailey. Yeah, that, I mean, that could work, I think. But like, I don't think I don't think Foley, especially in, on the WWE side of things, as a heel was well, def- definitely a completely different character to what Bailey is as a heel. And I don't think even them are bad. I know Tony would disagree with at least one of the, those sides of things, but I'd think that uh, Bailey as a heel is, I don't know who I'd compare her to, because she's more like the very self-entitled, like almost almost like a, like the, the Daniel Bryan, yes, heel character. In- I see where Ben's coming from with here, though. If you're trying to line them up between those, because in that era... It's Austin Rock, Triple H, and Foley are the main four. And if you're going to compare them, that's how I would put them. Bailey does have the whole, like, you know, it's Mrs. Foley's baby boy, and Bailey is the hugger. Charlotte is the kind of, I'm at the top and I'm going to beat you because I'm the game type of thing. Sasha is sort of the the cocky, I'm going to be a star outside of it kind of thing. And Austin, Becky, like, I, I see the comparisons there. But obviously, the four of them didn't pattern themselves off of those four. No, of course not. But there are, there are their own personalities on that. So I think as a as a light comparison, it works. But I think, obviously, if you delve down deeper, it just it starts to lose it a little bit. Yeah, that's, um, you know, I've been talking for years about doing this thing called mirror image matchups. And it's just been one of those things that I've never bothered to deal with a segment, uh, partially because I can't figure out what I'm going to do with the logo. <laughs> but uh, part of it is just I haven't really been interested enough at a particular time where we've gotten a free week to do something instead of doing something else. But I've wanted to do mirror image matchup, which is you compare people that are very, very similar and you just kind of talk about the comparisons. Like the idea of at one point in time, Tyler Breeze was very much sensational sherry era Shawn michaels and then it would be like okay well the one does a super kick the other one does a super kick the one of them's model the other one's basically trying to be like this model type and you know so on and so forth like that and obviously like if you were going to say who did you compare becky lynch to i wouldn't be like oh well she's totally the mirror image of of austin but if you're gonna if you're going to slot people in the way that they are, just the same as like, who would you say, like, if those are the four for the Attitude Era section around that time, what do you say is the four for Hogan? It's like Hogan, Macho Man. Warrior. I would think like Piper and DiBiase. 
Uh, it depends what area you're looking at, really. I mean, you could say Pipe, uh, Piper and DBRC, you could say Andre and DBRC, maybe. Or Andre and Piper. Like, there's, a, there's, a, there's a mix of them, again, it's just different time periods. Because uh, it's funny enough, wrestling at that sort of time, uh, rosters change quite frequently rather than being yeah. the same group of people for about 10 yeah. or 15 years at a time. So, I mean, if you were going to say, for instance, just for the hell of it, if you're going to say, because it's easier to do a comparison with uh, Piper than with um, Andre, because none of these women would be Andre. It's just not even close. But if you said, like, Macho, Hulk, Piper, and DiBiase, and you had to compare the four horsewomen to there, then, like, you're going to do the same kind of comparison thing. So it ends up being, like, uh, you got, you got, like... Um, I don't know if I could compare I would, any of those ones. I would think like I know that people would think Bailey would be macho because of the whole thing, but I don't know. I would think that. Well, I think I think if you were to do it and you to move Bailey back to her old babyface thing, Bailey's Hogan. Um, Charlotte is DBRC, Becky is Piper, and Sasha is Macho Man. I think that's fair. Yeah, you know, I could see that being the case. I mean, Sasha's got glasses she wears. Macho Man wears glasses. Uh, a nice comparison, right? <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> it's That's the type of thing you're going with with these kind of comparisons, though, you know? Because you could make the case that Sasha Banks is DiBiase because she's the boss and she's wearing all the, you know, the bling and whatever like that, but she doesn't have that type of a character, so it's more so, well, if you take away the money... What is DiBiase? Oh, he's the type that's he's trying to be lording over people and whatever. Oh, that's more of a Charlotte Flair type of thing, you know. Like they, you get into those kind of comparisons, and that that might be a fun, different type of thing that we could do in the future. Some different kind of comparison things. Maybe that's another play the game, uh, Becky, or something. I just want to get this out there. Becky is in Austin. Like you can try to say that she was, but she she wasn't. Becky, if anything, to me, is akin to Mick Foley. She's not supposed to be the guy and just got there because we're going to make you... Like, you're too beloved to not be the guy. So, let's go to another question here. And we're going to be wrapping up pretty soon. Maybe we've been around the two-hour mark for a little bit. If Shad didn't pass, you think he'd return to WWE in any role? Nope. Nope. No, I don't think so. Uh, here's the thing. If they... I'm going to steal Rob's line. <laughs> uh, if we weren't in a pandemic, yes. I think that Shad and JTG would have done some kind of a guest spot and WWE would be in a much different scenario right now. I think the WrestleMania would have gone down in some ways similar to what it would have gone down already the way that things happen. And I think that over the course of these past couple of months and these next few months, they'd be amping up towards Hollywood and they would get a little bit more into not necessarily like let's bring in Hollywood people, but let's bring people back that we can to take away from AEW in any fashion. And I think we would have seen crime time potentially. But not during the pandemic. Yeah, no. I think that uh, Crime Time would have done cool stuff at the For the Culture event. I think they would get more breaks in the indies. 
But a full-blown return to WWE, not likely. Yeah, I just think- oh, I don't think a full-blown either. I think it would have been a guest spot type thing. I mean, we had the headbangers popping up at the beginning of that the last wild. draft. That, that was a wild return. Yeah, that was strange. I, so I just think that just because his name has been obviously in the news this year, just because of the tragic passing, it's just that's the reason why people would think nobody would have even thought really of Shad this year if that hadn't been the case. Yeah. Well, he was doing better things in Hollywood. And the more that Batista and the more that John Cena get a part of things, the more likelihood that Shad would have been some kind of connection that he would have maybe done some more things. Yeah, it's the idea that as soon as they became more acquainted with Hollywood, you know they really spent a lot more time getting WWE opportunities. It's the idea that it's the idea that once you get Hollywood, yeah, that really positions you to go back to WWE. No, it's the it's the <laughs> reason why you stay away from WWE. They need you now, like I think that they would have tried to bring him in though. Maybe. That's because fair. it would have been like, hey, you know, you're a name at this point, or you whatever. It wouldn't surprise me. But again, the the pandemic screws it all up. You mean they would have uh, they would have tried to call JTG, but he kept ignoring it instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's still wrestling, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's still, yeah, he's still working. Hmm. Really quickly, I just realized I never plugged the merch shops, merchandise uh, side of things, or T Public and Redbubble. Check them out. Fanboys Anonymous, uh, A Mango Tees, and Smart Cat Moment. There you go. It's pretty simple. Just go ahead and check them out. <laughs> and let's go to uh, the last question that was sent in ahead of time, at the very least, and maybe we'll round things out a little bit with that. Maybe we'll keep the live chat going. I don't know. Um, this one's also from Peter. Do you think Becky has heat for her billions appearance? No. Came in as herself, talked about wrestling, so you got to do the job and put over the person even if you don't like them. Uh, I don't what, – what's the billions thing? So we, she – yeah, she had, a guest, she had a guest role on a show called Billions, which is a fairly, like, prominent TV drama. Um, I haven't – I can't say that I've watched too much of it, so I can't really – give you the whole plot or scoop about how it actually works but she appeared i've watched her the scene that she was in where she comes into the office she's playing becky lynch so she's not playing a character she's being herself and she gets into a a mock a mock fight with uh one of the main cast i believe and then she talks about she basically gives everyone a big pep talk about how wrestling is like being in a company and you've got to work together you've got to do things for each other that sort of side of things so that's I guess Peter's inclination is the idea that because she essentially exposed the business in her billions appearance that this means that she led it led is leading to her getting like heat backstage because uh, she said insider wrestling terms and stuff like that. Peter, I admire your traditionalist approach to this, but yeah, she ran everything by WWE. Don't get it twisted. Now more than ever, but always, WWE loves that shit. They love when you talk about how, oh, it's such a great, we all work together for the greater good, and we're all characters, pal, and we're making movies. Uh, they love that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like people don't don't remember the fact that in the early 1990s, Vincent Mann came out on TV and said that all this shit is fake. That'd be great if that was uh, actually how he had said it. Like, I wish he had. The Monday Night Raw episode starts, and instead of the whole, like, frankly, we think that you're tired of getting your uh, your in- intelligence insulted or whatever, he just goes, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Monday Night Raw. I'm Vince McMahon. I'm ready to present to you a whole lot of fake shit tonight. It's all fake. 
Every bit of it. But it's good shit. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so those are the questions we got ahead of time. Um, yeah, we still got a couple more people in the chat. Maybe we'll round this out in another uh, five minutes or something like that. So if you want to get in your questions now, go ahead and try to get them in really quickly. Um, we got a couple things going on today. I figured maybe we'll talk about that in advance. We never really talk just, you know, whatever at some point, but we got like a NXT and AEW tonight. We got the Jericho celebration of his career. We got Ember Moon's going back to NXT. Now Kushida against uh, Tommaso Ciampa is going on. We got some injuries now. Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream are listed as injured. Got a little bit of information about what they're planning on SmackDown. We got like Big E versus Sheamus in the False Count Anywhere match. We already knew that ahead of time. We know that Bailey and Sasha Banks are going to fight. Uh, they're constituting this set to battle for title on night one of WWE draft. So it is still a title match. They haven't done the whole like, no, 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 they're going to fight, but it's actually a non-title or, you know. But it does say this. Uh, Otis set to defend his Money in the Bank contract in court. Now, what do you think is going to happen with this? It's going to be. Do like, you like, think it's, it was just going to be one of those stupid court scenes like, that they did when they um, uh, fired Eric Bischoff? All those. He's got. There's going to be some really crazy witnesses that come in to try and help Otis or to attack his case for whatever reason, and then. And then it will end with the judge ruling in Otis's favor. No, so, they're gonna rule to have a match. They they got well, no, they're, they're, they're ruled, yeah, they're ruled to have the match at uh, Hell in a Cell or whatever for the top between Miz and Otis for the belt for the briefcase. Um, I see Molina appearing in some way, shape, or form, whether it's to like harm the case of Miz and Morrison or to just be Otis's lawyer, because. Who cares? Melina <laughs> as the lawyer, and it's like uh, all she does is the split. Would... Then Otis is just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> just I, she does the split. I rest my case. Like that's, yeah. that's it. Can she still do the split? Did she do it yeah, in NWA? Still, yeah, she can still do it. Yeah. yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll see. You'll see some characters like that. Split. I assume that for some reason, Brother Love will appear just because you know there's like there has to be in these stupid segments. Brother Love has to make an appearance at some point. Maybe we'll see. Um, obviously, Tucker will get involved at some point, and John Morrison will. And um, I don't know. Maybe we'll see somebody like Teddy Long or some just some random characters just appearing just to go for or against i for some reason i can see lacey evans just for some reason just going against otis on this and just go and just like okay we gave lacey evans something to do on this episode of smackdown i would like some you know random character of like a caterer from one event where he's just like oh this is horrible and i spent all day making all this food and he ate it in five minutes and he's just a terrible man and he can never be a champion just something dumb Based off of like, hey Otis, you're fat. We make fun of that, and we're gonna keep doing that. Do you think that they're gonna incorporate the uh, the whole lunchbox and briefcase and whatever that they're gonna have like a more lawyer kind of vibe going on the courtroom briefcase kind of thing with money in the bank, and he's gonna have his food inside of that? I hope so. I, I enjoy like um, Otis is legitimately funny, and. He's one of the very few characters that is. So, yeah. 
Do you expect any kind of big? I mean, we know that the draft is happening, so that's that's big enough as it is. But do you expect any big things to happen? Like, is Bailey going to drop the title, or is I don't know uh, the Biggie and Sheamus thing going to lead to like one of them is injured for a while, or is Ember Moon going to win a number one contenders match tonight and just bypass Tony Storm entirely, like? Oh, what prediction is he got? Uh, well, actually, what's happening on the AEW side of things? We, we're getting Chaos Project is losing a tag match. That's all I remember. Oh, and the dog collar match. Yeah, the is dog it, collar match will be fun. Yeah, that'll be a fun match. Uh, we're obviously getting uh, Jericho and Hager against... That's Chaos Project. Oh, yeah, the Chaos Project. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I forgot that that was the, the team that they're going with. But, uh, I mean, that'll be... I, I, I want to see... <laughs> what Walter is all about. Is there, is there really anything about... Why is he such a quote-unquote big deal? Oh, yeah, Luther. No, Walter, I said for some reason. I don't know why that yeah. he's He's a big deal. He's a very big deal. But uh, Luther, well, like, I want to see why why Jericho goes went to bat with him and why he was brought into AEW in the first place. Well, because he's a Japanese deathmatch legend. Yeah, I know. I want to see what that entails in this match. I don't know how much of a, a Japanese deathmatch style they could really get away with on this one, but... But yeah, they're already going to have a dog collar match. They're going to have blood already on this show, probably. So, I mean, Cody's working, so there's definitely going to be blood on this show. <laughs> yeah. Marquise asks a follow-up question. How would you differentiate yourself from WWE and AEW? I think we kind of talked about that a little yeah, bit, I mean, didn't we? You, the whole... you just have to find a, like, a niche that... Because both of them, even though I think that AEW does it better right now, they both do pretty similar things in terms of the way they present their product. You just need to find a niche that you can differentiate yourself with. I don't know whether that is a more MMA style focus style thing that Bloodsport is doing, but yeah, at the moment, like there's not really, I mean, it's either you either take the approach of you try and differentiate yourself from them too, because they both do pretty similar approaches to sports entertainment or wrestling or whatever you want to term it, or you just do the same thing as they're doing, but try and do it better. Yeah. There's not much, not much else you can do, you know. I would say, like I already alluded to, the Ring of Honor Pure Title Tournament. That's a different presentation. Uh, outside of that, Deathmatch stuff is very popular, and that's just not my scene. So I'd stay away from that stuff completely. You know? Maybe this this might be the best uh, question to wrap up on, because it kind of talks about a couple different things. But Young Bigby in the chat says... Why do you not see house shows happening anymore? We talked a little bit about this before. Well, and it ties into COVID-19. some other things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's more than that, too. No. I think that the pandemic has been the final nail in the coffin. Yeah. It, it, essentially. It's been a very dwindling thing anyway in terms of attendance and stuff like that. There's been house yeah. shows don't draw their money losers. They lose significant sums of money because people don't go to them because wrestling isn't popular right now. Here's where I see this potentially going. Of course, depending on when things open up and when things do this, and there's a lot of January of this year, we didn't expect any of this year to be the way that this year was. So we have to kind of factor in that we have no idea what the hell 2021 is going to be. Hopefully it's so much better, but, um, I think WWE realized from the past 10 years plus that lesser and lesser house shows doesn't take too much away from things. 
because it's not the way that it used to be. I mean, you look back, a lot of things change. Uh, I had on a couple minutes of this one show called High Score, I think it was, on Netflix when I was trying to sleep last night. It was talking about like Atari and the way that like they started to approach the idea of, hey, people have TVs, so maybe we can take TV, which is a passive medium, and make it an active one by adding video games to the mix. And it's not just like arcades. We can actually have a system. You plug it into your TV, and we make money off of selling the games and some different things like that. Things change. And a different era of pro wrestling, it used to be the house shows were the thing. That's what you made the money on. That's what your tours were all based around. The shows were supplemental to get people to go to the house shows. And that started to change in the 90s when it started to be a little bit more of, well, you're watching. I mean, you got the pay-per-views ahead of time in the 80s and stuff, but it became more about the pay-per-views and it became more about Monday Night Raw and it became more about that stuff and less about the house shows. Over time, the house shows have been dwindling so much to the point where they don't matter. You used to potentially see a title change once in a while, or that was the only time you'd see a particular talent because they just wouldn't get a chance to be on the one or two episodes of Monday Night Raw that was happening, one or two hours. Now you've got 10 hours of WWE material just for the in-ring stuff. If you don't find a spot for somebody on there, it's because they don't have a spot. And you've got where you can record matches and you can put it up on YouTube. You can record matches and you can put it on a, a network special. You can focus on some different things. I think what we're going to go in the future is house shows are going to be mostly dead. And they're going to do some tours here and there when they eventually can do that stuff and when they eventually decide that it's like profitable enough to do it because you what's the likelihood wwe is going to want to go on a tour if they can't pack a building what's the likelihood of wwe is going to do that when the uh you know you can pack a building technically speaking like the laws allow it but people don't want to go because it's still wrestling and they just don't care it's different than football or baseball or whatever basketball is always going to have people wanting to go WWE is not the same thing. And is it worth it to go on a whole East Coast tour on these big buildings that you rent out that you can't pack? Is it the same when you go to these smaller buildings and you're recording these house show figures where you get a thousand people? I don't think that they're going to bother. But maybe if you do one show and you charge higher, and you make that a network special, then maybe that's what you do. Remember how they were teasing that whole idea of the different tiers were going to give you access to the house shows? Right. I think we're getting in your house. And I think that it's going to be every maybe once a month, they do a smaller show, and it's a live show, it's a house show. It's They don't have to go through setting up a big thing. They don't have to set up the matches ahead of time as anything super crazy or big. But it'll just be an extra bonus mini pay-per-view. And that'll be their house shows. They'll do one of them. It'll be like, here's your one house show. If you want to go to the house show that's happening in New York, it's going to be a Madison Square Garden. Or it's going to be 
in Barclays or whatever. I don't know. I don't know my my arenas. And when you go to Philly, Philly will have a big show and people will come from New Jersey and Delaware and whatever because it'll be something different. And it'll almost be like you're doing a mini pay-per-view. I don't think we're going to have like we're going to go and we're do, doing a, a night here and a night there and a night there and a night there. And we're having three shows a week and it's all around the same area. I don't think it's happening anymore. I think in the same way that in your house was invented because it was a way to get more eyes on the content and it didn't have to be all about going to the house shows anymore. They're realizing that there's so much content now that you don't necessarily need the house shows. Now I think NXT continues running live events, but I do not think that WWE runs nearly as much. I do think when they do, they'll be in places like Madison Square Garden or TD Garden or like big arenas and big venues that will make it, you know, must see attraction. But I don't think that they're going to run 300 days a year anymore. And I think part of that, the uh, a key to that might be the fact that they let go of a lot of their live event producers. They could have brought them back after the furlough. But they let them go for a reason. I think they're planning to not be in the live event business anymore. Mm-hmm. I would say this. I, I obviously believe that for the financial reasons that Tony has obviously stated and all the other aspects of it, they will move away from live events and house shows and everything else, they, how they, they want to promote it. The issue is that that is disastrous from a talent perspective because wrestlers don't get better working one show a week. And, and I think that they knows that, and that's why I said I think NXT yeah, but, continues to run. Yeah, but there's a lot of people on the main roster that could do getting a lot better as well. It's the idea that that's an issue that I've I've seen with AEW as well. That you slow down a wrestler's progress if they're not working multiple nights a week. And I mean that's how the whole old schedule used to be. People would work seven, six, seven nights a week doing tours, and that's how they got experience. That's how they got the reps under their belt. If you're just working an episode of Raw and maybe a pay-per-view once a month, then you're not really getting anywhere. You're just you're going to be the same wrestler over and over again. You're not going to really evolve or pick up new things or work with a, a wider variety of talent on a wider basis of things. So that that is an issue on that front. Financially, it makes all the sense in the world. There's no they don't make any money out of this side of things. I just think that it's it's harmful long-term for the development of their talent. I agree. And I think that they don't care. No, of course. Kind of like, I think that I think in their mind, they've got the performance center and it's the same as a crowd. Then again, it isn't a crowd. But I think that they think that that's going to counteract it good enough. And that if they do that, then people will learn well enough. And then you've got shows like main event, where they just record it and they just put it up on Hulu because it's part of their contract kind of a thing. I'm still assuming that that's the case. It's got to be, you know. But I think that they think that that's good in the sense that it'll be good enough. And then the fact that people won't be traveling as much means their expenses will go down and they're going to have less of a chance that they can be beaten up because they're just not wrestling as much. But going forward, I think that's why the Twitch stuff, according to Andrew Yang, 
was being deemed mandatory in new deals. Because I think that's them saying, hey, this will be your way of interacting with the audience. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to have you doing house shows. So we're going to make it mandatory that you do stuff like this. Yeah. So that way it's like, well, you're not beating your body up, but you're getting our name out there and you're trying to earn us more money and you're doing this. And it's almost the same as t- saying to somebody, well, you're not working the house show, but you're doing a media tour. Right. And you're, you know, like that kind of thing. I think that they're going to prioritize that going forward. And then that's good for some things because you get some people that are like, that's how they'll get brought in. But then that doesn't help like with Callum, what he's saying, where they go, yeah, but does that help you wrestle? And then they go, well, no, but we're not a wrestling company. We're an entertainment company. And then you start getting into that whole kind of nonsense. And they love, again, they love doing that where they're like, Oh, look at us. We're on the forefront of this digital media Twitch. Nobody was doing Twitch. There's so many similarities between the way WWE markets themselves and Trump's presidency, where he's just like, nobody did this thing before me, and I'm the best, and it's the greatest thing that's ever happened because of me. And that is how they see themselves. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> that's kind of, uh, I guess, a good way to, to end this. And um, I think I kind of ran through everything that we would run through normally. Um, if we didn't, and you know, you're upset that we didn't answer any kind of particular mailbag questions you were hoping we would get into, remember, mailbag priority tier. You can send in the questions ahead of time. You should be joining us live for these if you can. I know obviously a lot of people can't. And maybe we'll try to do them at some different times in the future going forward. Or, you know, maybe we'll see. God, it depends on lots and lots of scheduled kind of things but uh if you are listening to us after we had done this whole live thing and you want to take part in this drop a comment below obviously you can't do that on some of the platforms that don't have comments but you should be checking this out on youtube you can post a comment on facebook on twitter you can put it on the website itself smartcatmoment.com any of that kind of stuff whatever interaction is awesome hit that like button hit the subscribe button hit the, the whole you know all the buttons and just don't hit the red buttons. button the big red button yeah i think that when you hit the big red button something bad happens but it's one of my favorite jokes from uh futuramas when fry misses that button it's so fucking good oh man uh so plug wise i mean that's the main event for this week we got the hot tags coming up next where we're going to talk about anything else that we didn't talk about here which is kind of a little bit of the hot tags in here so maybe the hot tags won't be all that big this week well, we're gonna but we didn't talk about the draft so there's that we didn't talk about the draft stuff yeah that's going to be the main thing we didn't talk about uh sarah uh being arrested sarah stock so there's an, at least a couple other things that might happen over the next few days and that'll happen up on the channel on like saturday morning friday night whatever gets posted like that and then on saturday we got another episode of the paul Heyman smackdown podcast so callum fill in on what's coming up next for that yeah next episode of the paul Heyman smackdown podcast we'll be referring to the next stage in the well the second set of quarterfinals for the tag team championship tournaments we get to see whether chris bimaronka angle comes to blows in there search to become the first uh, WWE Tag Team Champions at this point in time. Uh, there's also more progression in the Undertaker and uh, Brock Lesnar feud, including a woman called Tracy, who appears for some reason, out of no reason, oh. no real reason whatsoever. <laughs> and also the start of an even worse storyline of the Al Wilson, Tori Wilson, Dormery stuff as well. The seeds are planted for oh. that one as well. So 
But the episode itself will at least be good. So we'll have fun ripping it to shreds, me and Rob. So we'll call in that soon. And yeah, it'll be in your feeds on Saturday. Obviously, the other things you can do is you can follow me on Twitter at Wigmeister14. Check out all the articles on smartcatmoment.com. Follow what we're doing with Fantasy League. Uh, spoiler, I'm still ahead. It's a lot closer everywhere else. But um, yeah, uh, my uh, my biggest fear this week is that for some reason, well, that Finn Balor's got a broken jaw and he might surrender the NXT title uh, tonight. <laughs> if that happens, then I might not win this week as comfortably as I otherwise would have done. But uh, but yeah, just keep following all that other stuff. And yeah, that's it for me. Okay, and for me, I, I hope that I'm not losing as badly as I typically am in the fantasy league. Um, I'll be on the Fightful Wednesday Night War podcast tonight with Mr. Warren Hayes and Al and Alex Pawlowski. So that's always fun. I like doing the Fightful stuff. I like being here on YouTube. Um, I'll be over on the WrestleZone podcast tomorrow. I'm on that podcast Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I will be back with Tony on Friday with Callum on Saturday and elsewhere. I'm doing the news for Fightful Friday through Sunday. It is collective weekend, so lots of independent wrestling going on this weekend. I will specifically be covering Joey Janela's Spring Break 4, so that will be a good time. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Police. And I think that's it. Well, if you want a uh, Smart Out Moment podcast for this week, you're out of luck because apparently this was a fanboys podcast uh, according sorry. to the beginning of it. <laughs> but, I have uh, more I'd love podcasts. I would love to do more fanboys podcasts. So keep that in mind, everybody. Fanboysanonymous.com. Maybe I'll write up some articles in the meantime uh, while I'm waiting because I can't really write too much of the wrestling stuff until after the draft happens. And then I'm going to be swamped this weekend where I have to write up like 20 things that are reviewing the draft. So that'll be fun. Yay. But, um, yeah, maybe in the meantime, I'll dive a little bit more into uh, some fanboys. Maybe I'll check out that Deathstroke movie. I still didn't watch that yet. Please but... do not pre-write anything regarding the draft. You do not know how this is going to turn uh, out. I've learned my lesson about that. No, I am not pre-writing anything. That's, I've scheduled some stuff to be the morning afterwards. So I won't have to do that. And yeah, I mean, on my slate right now as far as uh, just draft-related stuff, to give people an opinion of how sometimes when one thing happens, I get so tired of it because I have to write it a hundred times. Uh, I've got the typical... I'll be doing the the results of the draft during the whole SmackDown thing and, and Raw uh, on two, if not three, websites at the same time. Uh, I will write up an article for Bleach Report about draft picks that they must do after night one where it's kind of like okay well how do you balance this out i'm gonna do the fantasy league or the fantasy league the uh the hot tags where it'll be like you know our first impressions i'm gonna write up an article about first impressions of the draft on e-wrestling news then we've got the uh who won the draft on the tuesday after monday night raw then an article about the matches that we now can look forward to on raw then an article about the matches we can look forward to on smackdown and then an article about the nxt state of affairs after the draft so that is all happening before we get to let's review the draft on the podcast <laughs> and i gotta update the quarter four predictions for like heel and face turns and wrestlemania predictions and hell in a cell predictions write up some stuff about uh 
I don't know, like the 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 whole breakdown is essentially once Friday comes down, it's going to be draft, 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 draft. And then I'm going to be just sick and tired of that. So I'd love uh, some more time on the fanboy side of things just to do some other non-draft related things. But the draft is still very interesting. It's still going to be something I'm looking forward to. And I hope that they don't make it a complete train wreck. But we'll see. I don't know. You'll be hearing from us next with that kind of stuff, though. That's happening on Friday. So just stay tuned to the channel and follow everything that's happening from Smart Out Moment, A Mango Tree, Tony Mango, these guys, fanboys, elsewhere, lots of things. They're all collectively coming in, and hopefully you are too. And hopefully you enjoyed this mailbag for quarter four for 2020. See you on not only this next podcast, but we'll also see you when the quarter one of uh, 2021 comes around. Mailbags are always fun. I had fun. But that's going to be it for this edition, everybody. This has been another Smart Out moment, and we're being counted out. 